Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh the thickest. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I saw that CJ Stroud comment was awesome. Yeah, I'm not a test taker. I play football. I'm a football player. At the end of it all, that's what I care about. As we march it down until tomorrow, then when we finally find out, you know what? Here's the thing, too. Secretly, you guys are all going to jump at the front of the line and say, I am so sick and tired of all this overanalyzation of all these players. There is one thing that I'm tired about, but frankly, you're not really that tired because you're consistently searching for reasons, consistently searching for evidence that the quarterback that you want the Colts to select at number four is going to be that guy. Constantly you are. Constantly you're looking for everything. You know, maybe I would, wouldn't have the the smartest team in the world, but you got a quarterback that can play. You stack it full of wide receivers as I've always wanted it to do. You would have some top-of-the-line athleticism. You would have some top-of-the-line entertainment value. At least you'd have some juice going on. I'm not suggesting that at all I know how deeply rooted they go to investigate. There's no doubt NFL-wise they do. But again, when it's over, it is about the player they draft being able to play. Chris Ballard did tell us back at the Combine, minimizing really everything else, all other aspects with the exception of of the tape and the accomplishments, the struggles, the way that that player has played on the field. And there's not a lot of things that I have agreed with the past couple of years, but with Chris Ballard in mind, that is at the top of the list. That is solely how I base my comparison. And I feel bad because I look at Hendon Hooker. I don't care if he is 24 years old. I don't really care if he's trying to come back from an injury. Everybody comes back from an injury now. I feel bad that he is not listed more prominently with a lot of folks out there because I think he's legit. 
Like Tennessee may end up being that team that gets him. Maybe they go Anthony Richardson. But for me, it's more about what you have done on the field. And I know you're going to say, well, it's one game. You're breaking down. Well, good. It was a very big game, by the way. Well, they didn't even win. He looked spectacular. He looked like a quarterback that you would want to lead your team for the long-term future. I'm talking about C.J. Stroud. Did he not? Do you really factor in how much talent is around him as a detriment? Let me see a show of hands out there. Who really does that? Who really overthinks it and nerderizes it as much as possible to go that in-depth to believe it's a detriment for this guy to play with other winning players? Did you do the same for Joe Burrow? He's pretty good. He was not a one-man gang, was he? Did you do that? Here's the one thing that I hope to accomplish out of this draft. I I guess you get to a point where you just hear so much, um, and I'm not making light of, I I don't know what his name was, the guy that they had on. I was downstairs doing a couple things, and and I had on the guy that uh, they had on their show, the Midday Show, with uh, Will and Jimmy just now, and they had on a dude. And I swear I thought I heard something here. Did he actually say, and Jimmy's going to have to give me a thumbs up, did he say that they have Will Levis in whatever nerd ranking they have, 50th best? 50th. 5-0? Really? 50th best prospect. Let me tell you something. If you are the second best quarterback in this draft, if you're the fourth best quarterback in this draft, and this draft service has you ranked 50th, find another draft service. Look somewhere else, because that's not it. And again, if he didn't say 50th, I thought, sure, I go, wait, it was like a double take. I went, wait, wait. So I'm trying to get inside that uh, their own lounge there and try to liven things up. I've mentioned this before. I want to get in there and kind of liven things up for the show a little bit, like get everybody going. And I thought, did I really just hear that? 50th. Will Levis is 50th. I know that there is a great deal, and this is football hate. Hate's thrown around, and it's a weighted word, and I get tired of hearing it. Oh, I hate her, or you hate this. There are not a lot of things that I hate. And it's good for me, as I got this incredible filter with with those that I don't like. I'm not even going to say hate. Those I, I dislike. I mean, I've got a pretty good filter for it all. I don't know what it is. I didn't get any other aspects that are top-notch, that are elite level, but my filter is as good as anybody's. Like, I can sit there and I can be listening, but I'm not hearing anything that you say. <laughs> if it's somebody I don't like, yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah. I'm engaged. I've had a great filter. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I do actually know what it is. But I'm not going to share it with you. 50th? The 50th best. I know that it's chock full of cornerbacks and you've got defensive linemen, you know, edge rushers, got some wide receivers thrown in. Uh, the best draft for a tight end that we have seen in forever. If you are 
for example, the fourth quarterback off the board in this draft. And this service ranks you 50th best. Come on. Come on. Even if it's out of need, got to be better than that, don't you? 50th. You think any of these teams are going to draft based upon their grade? I don't care who it is, and I don't care if you do have that need. If you, through all your research, all your tests, all your one-on-ones, all your time and your effort watching this particular player, if you graded this player out at 50, you're not drafting him fourth overall. So I'm assuming besides, I think Matt Miller, we had Matt Miller on. I think Matt Miller had him really low too. So here's my hope. Let's see if we can all band together on this. It's all band together. My hope is that both Will Levis and C.J. Stroud, wherever they end up, if it is here or someplace else, that they have an outstanding career because it is always a good time to shove it up the rear end of your detractors that are out there that are many. And I hope these guys, both of these guys, have an opportunity to do just that. Sometimes it gets a little bit silly. And again, it's normalcy, but it's silly. I love the fact C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud in that comment went full bore Kenny Powers. Did you get that clip? C.J. Stroud, I don't know when was this, James. Help me set this up because clearly I'm not doing a great job myself. This is recently, right? Yeah, it's very recently. It might be, I don't think it's today. It might be yesterday. CJ Stroud asked about, obviously, the S2. I'm not worried about the S2. I'm worried about what he did against Georgia. I went, whoa, that's what he did? That's how he looks? That's how he can move? That's how he can throw on the move? Ball placement specialist? And in terms of watching the Colts play or have guys play quarterback the past couple of years, I don't care if it is a one-game sample size. Welcome that bad boy. When asked about the S2 and all the other stuff surrounding him negatively right now, this was the response of C.J. Stroud. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a test taker, so uh, I play football uh, for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I don't got nothing to prove to nobody. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and explain how I process football. The people who are making the picks know what I can do. Um, so that's all that matters to me. There's a whole bunch of uh, people who know how to coach better, know how to play quarterback better, know how to do everything on social media. But um, that man in the arena, that, that's what's tough, is, is stepping in the arena ten toes. So, um, and I'm going to stand on that. And I know what I can do. I know I can process well. I know if I'm not if I'm not the smartest quarterback in this draft, um, I know I'm one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL when I step in there tomorrow. So I have that confidence in myself. And I, and, uh, I don't think you can play at Ohio State and not be smart. So. Um, I don't got nothing to prove to nobody, man. Uh, at the end of the day, if you don't trust and believe in me, uh, all I can tell you is watch this. Go get you some right there, C.J. Stroud. Go get him, Colts. Get him. Go get him. I know a lot of you are going to say, well, wait a minute. He does have something to prove to people out there. Believe me. This guy, if for nothing else, this guy goes to Ohio State, and I know that They can be incredibly loony over there, too. That's pretty much constant. And they can say stupid stuff in social media. I'm sure that before in a bad performance, he's fought it. 
But overall, it's a pretty awesome experience, right, to play quarterback at Ohio State. What you're going to get with this guy is you're going to get not just the talent that we've been talking about, but now you're going to get that ultra chip on the shoulder. Because you could tell by that, even when you say, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, you know that he's going to go out there and do it. You know that he wants to shut everybody up. You know that he wants to point the finger at those that say, hey, what about that leaked S2? I guess I haven't paid attention. I'm stuck back in the uh, the yesteryear of the Wonderlick. Yes, because I don't care. I really don't. You're not even about leadership. Yeah, sure, it's great. But I'm talking about in terms of have your new head coach, have your organization, build team leadership and that camaraderie. Start at the ground floor level. Mold this clay that he is if he's available right here. That's stuff that you can handle. Well, if you're born a non-leader, then you're never going to be a leader. That's bull crap. That is crap. He has exactly what I believe is fully transferable to play that position at a high level in the NFL, and especially coming out of this draft. The last thing I'm worried about is whether or not anybody believes that he is coachable. Make him coachable. Can you not mold him? That's exactly why Shane Steichen was brought in here. And whomever it is, it may not be him. Maybe it's Levis, as we've talked about. Maybe it's Anthony Richardson. Really, what you do have, and this is according to all these nerds, what you do have is you you have a mound of clay here, right? And you have different variations of it, some good and some, as people describe, not so good. Be a great coach. Be what everybody expects around here. Be a great organization. Do something with it. If it's any of those three, then so be it. And I wish I had more news for you. But again, I got to give credit with the Colts. They're nothing. Nothing coming out of there. And I don't blame them. But build that thing yourself. It's an odd position right now. You have some decorated veterans on this team. Normally, you build them or they age into what you do with the quarterback. It really is kind of backwards. You know, normally, you get the quarterback, and then you're going to build all around. You Look, for example, at Burrow, who, by the way, I think he played for a pretty good team. Did he have good teammates? Did Joe Burrow have talent around him? Well, I can't believe you're comparing Joe Burrow to C.J. Stroud. I'm just curious. Did he have good teammates? Were they good? Was LSU good? Or did he just, like, carry the entire load of that team on his back? Is this just all him? Incredible season, mind you. Was he throwing it to me? Was I running a fly pattern with my 7'5 speed? Yeah, he probably had some pretty good players around him, didn't he? You know what Cincinnati did? When they drafted their quarterback, what did they do? Anybody want to answer that question? They went and built talented players around him slotted him and then added around him now this is different because you've got talent 
already established. I'm not talking about a great deal, but talent already established at some positions around your incoming quarterback. Always add more. What is it? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, always be selling. Check that. Always be closing. Always be closing, right? Always be closing on the talent. Not so much worried about, you know, the depth and what you can do in the later round picks. You know what that is? That is gravy to a team that transitions to be good. That's stuff you talk about when your team is good. That's stuff when you talk about. You talk about that at length when you're having a high level of success all day long. Yeah, be just like Kansas City. Tyree Kill or not, what did they do? Go out and win the Super Bowl. What did they have? Depth. What did they do when they found out they couldn't keep some guys? They went out and got other guys. They filled those gaps. Do that. I love that answer. I love that answer when I saw it. And I know a little bit of it is because it did to me. The first thing I heard was like Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers, when the principal was telling him he wasn't the only athlete at Jefferson Davis or whatever it was, middle school in North Carolina. Because the principal, he's a triathlete. He's good at running, swimming, jogging. And then Kenny Powers' response was, I don't want to be good at exercising. I'm good at real sports. It's all you had to say, C.J. Stroud. It's all you had to say. I play football. I'm not a test taker. Show up there on Sunday and do what you did. Be like what you did against Georgia, and somebody's going to be really happy. And I, I guess what Houston's waiting around, waiting around to uh, develop this uh, San Francisco 49ers system to where, you know, you come in and any quarterback will do. Yeah, okay. The whole Brock Purdy effect. You watch that thing crumble. First of all, nothing against D'Amico Ryans, but Shanahan's pretty good at what he does there too. And they also have, have you noticed in San Francisco, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent around, right? A lot of talent. San Francisco can be an exception to the NFL rule that goes on. Normally, you have to have that knock him out quarterback. In San Francisco, because of injuries and other crap, had to lean on dudes you would not normally lean on. Yeah, San Francisco. Can you imagine they have a great quarterback and then you're throwing two great weapons? Yeah, but I know you guys don't want that around here, though, because, you know, that's a detriment to C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. That's a problem. Well, look what he had around him. Well, great. Well, here's to raising my glass and hoping what he has around him if they draft him or really any of these guys. That's the focus. That should be the focus. Yeah, all this other stuff's garbage. And that's something we've talked about because that's how it goes leading up to tomorrow night. It is the tail end of all this crap. But I will say this, it is going to be incredibly intriguing. You are just about ready to get a Connecticut water question of the day thrown at you. But that's where you are right now. You are just wanting to sell your opinion on a quarterback. I can be talked into 
a lot of these guys, like I will say this, none of these dudes that they selected for, I'm not, I'm not going to be irritated or fake mad. You know, when, when you get people around here, that get fake mad about something. I'm mad. Can't believe they didn't do what I thought. I'm mad. Yeah. With this, get your guy, get your guy that you believe in, whether it's Levis or Richardson or Stroud, drafted number four, believe in him, and then put him into what they call that process and then continue to build around him. Kickstart that thing now. So, these, I mean, really, there's there's not there's not anything overwhelming. Like, if, if it wasn't Andrew Luck years ago, then everybody, it wouldn't be fake up in arms. This is going to be fake. You can't be that mad that they decided to get C.J. Stroud if he's available at number four over Anthony Richardson. You can't be that mad if they decide to go with somebody they believe in in Will Levis. Like, that wouldn't be my first pick, and you know who I like there, but I just I can't fake being angry about this. Because what the Colts are doing as an end result is exactly what I have said they have needed to do. So why am I going to be mad? The reason why they brought in this head coach is to mold the selection at number four they're getting. That's where you should have your most trust or bust factor. And again, if anybody, and I mean anybody in your inner circle of friends, do not allow anybody to use the term quarterback whisperer because we know how well that went last time here there was nothing more phony baloney than that nothing there's no whispering going on there was some whispering going normally and listen i haven't seen the horse whisperer so i was that redford film from the night i've never seen it i just judging by how it's used i think i know the meaning of it it means that it's almost like you're that bald guy, the Empire Strikes Back with Lando. Like, he's thinking it. Lando's thinking it, and the bald guy is processing that information in his head non-verbally. Which, James, that's what Kyle was before you, so that's what you're going to have to start doing here, all right? You're going to have to be that bald guy Lobot. What am I thinking right now? That's a hell of an answer. That's a bad start, Lobot. Oh, I know. What am I thinking right now? Uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You're thinking that if the Colts trade up, what? Because I know someone mentioned this on the air yesterday. Someone talked about the Colts maybe trading up to number one overall to try and get Will Levis. Oh, James, James, we got to work on this, James. <laughs> you can't be Lobot. You can't be Lobot. Got to work on it. James is a work in progress. But that's okay. Yeah, actually, what I'm thinking about is taking a break. We've got some NBA stuff to get to. Big night. Maybe the biggest in a while in the NBA postseason. I got out there today um, a little bit earlier, and I, I had to get shout out to CarX, 14 Central Indiana, Joe Childers run CarX locations. And I got to give a shout out to Joe because I had some brake grinding going on. And I'm trying to get, as you well know, the truck to half a million miles. I'm at 315K right now. 
and all of a sudden, I put on. I I, I noticed some some brake dust on Friday. Hey, I say, hey Joe, I got brake dust. All right, you got to bring that in. Okay, I'll get it in there. And then you you know everything seems to be okay. You procrastinate a little bit. And then this morning, I got up, and I'm driving, and I'm putting on the brakes, and it is nothing but one big, solid, loud grind. I was, like, announcing my interest. I, I rolled into Ron Collar this morning, and, like, you could see the students running to class, and they were covering their ears. I guess I even skipped the whole brakes going bad squeaking phase. I went straight to brake dust to grinding. But I went over there and I said, hey, you know what? I'm kind of crunched for time. And my guys went to work. Shout out to CarX down in Greenwood for going to work for me. Uh, that is Ryan, Kevin, and Joe. They're going to get bottles from me because that was an incredible job. And they have been a huge part of me and my quest for half a million miles on the truck. I'm trying to keep all this thing together right now. And I drive it constantly. One, I love it. Uh, the other I love is I haven't had a car payment in like 10 years. I love that. But seriously, 500K is the quest, and the guys at CarX are the absolute best, and you get that type of service anywhere among the 14 Central Indiana locations. Ask for Joe Childers and let him set you up because they, they worked on my brakes and got me out of there as quickly as possible. And I hate to be that guy, too. Normally, I could just sit there for a while. But I got all that done in anticipation as well for what is going to be a great night of the NBA. I don't want to hear any complaining about the NBA. I hate the NBA product. You know, here's what I believe is going to help you dislike the NBA product. And really, you're getting this in football, too. You saw the transfer portal? Like primetime rolls into Boulder, Colorado, and 18 dudes after that spring game go into the transfer portal. He said, you guys got to get up and get out of here. There is now so much availability collegiately in college football and in college basketball with free agency. You used to be able to determine there is a difference between the two. Well, you like college basketball because of this. You like NBA because of that. You know, college basketball, college football was, and, and this is wrong, but this is the only thing I could come up with right now, was a more innocent, was more kind of grassroots. And now it's just one big mixed up ball of, hey, let's go ahead and love free agency. And everybody's getting paid. It really is. I mean, it's just one big profession. You have the NBA and the NFL, and then you have college football and college basketball that are basically now the minor leagues. You could argue that they have always been the minor leagues, but you can really argue it now because of NIL and because of the transfer portal. So I think that does fuel some of your disenchantment, especially with the NBA. But if you like hoop, watch it. It's incredible. Tonight is going to be great. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. Zach Kiefer in the 4 o'clock hour. Bowen's going to be here in the 5. Joe DeLeon. I first thought it was Jose DeLeon who used to pitch for the Pittsburgh Pirates back in the day. Joe DeLeon has a podcast on the Believe Network. We'll talk a little NFL with Joe coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And Greg Rakestraw has managed to join this show on a Wednesday. He's going to join us coming up on the other side. Thurgood tickets to give away. We've got Grand Prix tickets to give away as well. A new... Concert announcement. I told you everybody was going to be on the road. 
Like literally everybody that can get on the road is on the road. It's amazing. Not everybody's coming here, but they're getting some good ones around here. We got another good one that we'll bring up a little bit later on as well. Otherwise, 239-1070. Email address is jmv. 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I shall open that up coming up in just a minute. Get to you guys in there. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and we'll get started with Rake Straw and your phone calls on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Shout out to the Reds getting a sweep. 5-3 in this afternoon affair against the Rangers. Build a little three-gamer hope. Is there any way, if you're the Reds, you can get the Rangers on the schedule more than anybody else for the remainder of this season? Anybody? Big night in the NBA. We'll go over that coming up in a bit. Some response to the C.J. Stroud take at the top of the show. Hey, by the way, too, for those of you that are asking, People were saying, so who do you think the Colts are going to pick? Um, I have been pretty firm in what I have said in my belief for a long time. This is not just something that I picked up on. But I've been firm for a while, even when people thought that there was no way in hell, no chance. Um, And I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Will Levis at number four tomorrow night. That is where I am. The response to C.J. Stroud and the comment a little bit earlier now, again, I'm going to lay it out. Jason Bush is a great friend of mine and this show, but he is Mr. Kentucky. Mr. Kentucky he is. And it is interesting because he lives here in central Indiana, and he is so Kentucky, he refuses to have indoor plumbing. He just says, you know what? Nope. I'll go outside in this like little wood box called an outhouse. He refuses indoor plumbing. That is how Kentucky he is. So he's a big-time Will Levis fan. He says, I would take any of the others over C.J. Stroud. Any of them. Now, he wants, because he's Mr. Kentucky, he wants Will Levis here. And again, as I told you, that's who I believe is going to be here. Ryan writes this, I am so scared it's going to be Levis. Why can't we have fun? I want I want Levis and Stroud to work out more than anything in this draft. Because there comes a point in time, and I'm sure that includes me, where you just want somebody shut up. And I think there's been so much, especially down the stretch, which again is normal, but down the stretch of all this, so much has been said about both these guys. I want to see these guys rock at the next level. Hopefully they both do. Get back to your calls in just a second. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Greg Rakestraw, he does join us. Hello, Greg. How are you? 
I'm good, sir. How are you? I was going to ask you this. We'll get to the Colts in a second. I'm going to redirect, though. I said this, and I don't believe it was to you last week. Maybe it was Kyle Neddenrip. Maybe I did say it to you last week. Um, I, I feel still pretty firm about in high school that with Max Clark at Franklin and Keegan Rothrock at Ron Colley, for the first time, and again, assuming ever, that this state could actually have the best in softball and the best in baseball high school-wise in the United States. That's pretty close, isn't it? The folks at Max Preps thought so uh, when they put out their preseason uh, rankings of individual talent. And they go, those are very subjective. But the fact that we've got two kids in the conversation that literally live like 10 miles apart from each other is insane. I'm hopeful at some point to have a chance to call one of Max's games for Franklin I know I will get to see Keegan in action next Wednesday. So I will be doing the Ron New Pal game at New Pal. I hope the weather this Wednesday is as gorgeous as it, or next Wednesday is as gorgeous as it is today. Because if that's the case, there'll probably be 1,500 to 2,000 people out at New Pal because that facility can't accommodate it. It's gorgeous. So I'm hopeful that we get to see that level of crowd uh, seven days from now. Yeah, no doubt. But it's serious. I mean, I don't even know if if Indiana's ever been close. I mean, when you consider softball and baseball, you know, Florida, California, states okay. like that, rarely would you ever consider Indiana. And we have had, frankly, more top-level prospects in baseball than we've had in softball. I'm sure there is someone right now that is more softball knowledgeable than I that is streaming at the radio, oh, yeah, this player, this player, this player. Right. Um, it, I, I've only really started covering this sport on a regular or routine basis over the course of the last couple of years where I, frankly, I see more high school softball now than I do baseball uh, during the months of April and May. That kind of reverses. I usually do a couple of baseball state finals because of the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star games. I tend to miss the softball state finals these days. But uh, Keegan Rothrock is, is something special uh, and, uh, and has been now for each of the last three years. It's a Greg Graystraw via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I know people say that they're tired of it, and I'm sure to a degree they are, but they still long each and every day for all this draft conversation <laughs> that we give them that will go from our judgments and our thoughts to our breakdown on what goes down coming up tomorrow night at number four. You got any feel whatsoever? We're not going to hold you to it, right? I think I'm going to be held to mine, probably, but we won't sure. hold you to it because there's just really, the, the Colts are handling this as well as you possibly could because there's not been a sliver of info go anywhere leading up to this, which is very good. But what's your educated guess on the direction they go tomorrow night? The educated guess has been Levis. My only question is, is C.J. Stroud suddenly available? I don't think he will be. Um, but is, is could Levis be off the board uh, by the time you get to pick number four? And And it appears the Colts have been pretty steadfast in terms of I think because they don't want to give up other assets in terms of other picks to move up to two, and again, Houston should not trade with them. Um, or three, uh, I think Arizona's going to trade with somebody, frankly, at, at some point. Um, that the Colts, again, by what we've been able to glean from anybody, is that people have been saying the Colts should move up. I don't think the Colts want to move up. I think the Colts want to stick at four because they want to keep their pick at 35. They want to keep their pick in the third round knowing they need to have impact players probably at quarterback, wide receiver, and cornerback all addressed in the first couple of days of this draft. So with that, again, I would lean towards Levis too, but you, you again, you have to watch it play out and see what is Houston going to do at two, 
And, and again, I think it's more of who is picking at three, not what Arizona is going to do at three. I had mentioned this. There's really no get mad and shake your fist pick sure. at number four. Is there? It's, it's, I mean, because there's nobody <laughs> that's absolutely knocked down, drag out the one. So I'm assuming that if you really do get mad out of this selection, you're just kind of doing it because you're either mad all the time in general or doing it as a fake cause to be mad. Because to, to me, and again, you still hold Chris Ballard and company accountable. That's just the way that it is. But I don't know how you can be mad because, at least at this point, these players are all so closely knit in terms of who you should draft and who you shouldn't. I would give you not a particular player, but a particular position. The way that people are I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore, to give you a network quote, um, would be if it's not a quarterback at four. That's that's when people understand shake their fist and, and probably have the right to. But you are right. Assuming it is one of the four quarterbacks, I don't think anybody thinks there's any way that Bryce Young ends up to the Colts at four. So he's the one you probably kind of take off the board. I would say a sliver of a chance that Stroud is there at four. More than likely it is Levis or Richardson or you're picking from those two. And if you're still not taking a quarterback at four, then people will have that reaction. And I understand why. He's uh, Greg Gregstraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. A shift of the gears to college basketball. I just saw where point guard Xavier Johnson received his medical waiver. He will play for IU next season. In, in terms of really not knowing a great deal about this team as they're still cobbling this together on the fly after losing a couple of significant pieces this past year from that Hoosier squad, how do you think this IU team looks at least on paper with being able to sustain with Xavier Johnson next year? I would say incomplete would be how, how I would give it to him. Um, I, I have I have not been concerned with the caliber of talent that Indiana could bring in in this modern era. In the if it's now a truly an arms race in terms of your your NIL collectives, in terms of being able to pay players and do it above the board, there are a few that frankly will match the amount of money that Indiana can throw at a roster. 17,000 fans every night will do that to you. I saw a deal where Malik Renu will have his own burger at Big Woods this year. You want to tell me how many points per game Malik averaged for Indiana this past year and he has his own burger deal? Right. If if you do if you can do something like that for a, a backup big who has to play a larger role this year. But if your backups are 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 getting that sort of scratch out of this deal. Uh, it should not be hard to recruit players to come to Indiana University. Now, do we have those specific names just yet? No, I know there's the big kid from Oregon, um, and there are others that, that 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 need to be coming in. So it's not like I can point to, hey, this guy's going to be better. Hey, this guy's going to be the guy. Don't have that answer yet. I just know that the funds are available, and literally we can say it that way. For, for a for a top level players to come here and make this a top level Big Ten slash nationally competitive team. That's the way the game is played these days, and Indiana is more than well equipped to play the game. By the way, I think my burger at Ford's Garage will outdistance Malik Renew's burger at Big Woods. Wouldn't you agree? I, 
I, I, I, well, obviously, you've had years of, of advertising to catch up, you know, to, to <laughs> kind of take, take, take a lead. I have not had the ability to or the chance to eat either of those burgers. Yeah. I am willing to take the Pepsi challenge on the show next week and offer a full breakdown next Tuesday if you'd like me to. The uh, Renew Burger looks like it has uh, meat and cheese and bacon and an onion ring of some kind right there, too. Uh, that that would renew my day right there. Yeah. Like my appetite is renewed. Just saying. That. Uh, are you surprised that there haven't been more of uh, a check mark in the scoring column with IU getting these transfer portal? I know they got Ware, which was a big deal, and you know Sparks is going to be on that team from Ball State and Michael Lewis's right. program. But are you surprised they haven't taken a bigger bite out of the transfer portal to this point? A little bit, and again for all the reasons that I said. Again, this this is. This is an easy program to recruit to when you're playing in front of 17,000 every night. And again, this is this is a line from the from late 80s Saturday Night Live. It is the All Drug Olympics, and that and that is not meant to cast Indiana or college basketball in a negative light. But right now, it, that that's the way of the world. It is an open economy. It is the wild, wild west. And again, when you're a program like Indiana who has the resources to go out and get the best players available. I'm surprised there's not been a little more chatter about it, to be blunt with you. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What's on the agenda later on this week and next week? So the agenda for me uh, is is largely getting to be a dad as far as this weekend is concerned. So I will be doing the Hoosier Reunion Classic that we do every year on ISC. Uh, before injuries took hold, I think 33 different Division One players playing in the games this weekend at the Hoosier Gym, one of my favorite events every year. I am skipping the Indy 11 game Saturday night because my daughter is one of the leads in the CFI 84 school musical. I miss a lot because of my schedule. That is something I am not willing to miss. So thank you to the Indy 11 uh, for allowing me to skip out on Saturday night's game so I can go be a dad. Um, next week, let's see. I've, Sunday, I've got the Horizon League Tennis Championships for ESPN+. Plus. Monday, the folks from West Washington allowed me to come down and broadcast the Lanesville-West Washington baseball game. Stoked about that. You're going to like this one, John. On Tuesday, I've got your Sycamores for ESPN+. Plus. That's nice. When I talk to you next Tuesday, Bob Warrenfield will be the location, as Indiana State has won, what, 14, 15 consecutive games at this point, I'll do a little track and field next week. John, I am all over the map the first week of May. You're going to play the track and field video game, too? Uh, probably not, uh, but but if it helps me study and prepare for the meet, then maybe I should do that. Okay, as a, a button presser, if you remember that game, that video game, that arcade game, it had two buttons that you had to hit as quickly as possible. Did you use fingers, or did you use a prop, like a pencil or a back pocket comb? What did you do for I track did, and field? I, I did neither of those. Uh, my my experience with you know Pizza Hut slash down home pizza arcade games would have been Galaga, Pac Man, uh, pinball, pole position. That was kind of my genre that I specialized in. I got you. Makes sense. Prepare to qualify, Greg Rakestraw. <laughs> the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We'll see what happens coming up tomorrow night. We'll get you back on next week. Have a great weekend. 
Sounds good, buddy. What's uh, what's the theme for Saturday night? Not to fast forward past 256 picks in the draft, but <laughs> what should I be thinking about for Saturday night well, on B1057? you're going to have to phone in Friday night because I'm hosting Roar at Ron Colley. Ah. Their event on Saturday, so the JMV Takeover moves to Friday night. It is nothing but the 90s. So you may have to give me a heads up if you go to a place that's going to require me to edit a little bit. If you know what I mean. Nah, I, I, I'll find something that is radio-friendly from my favorite decade. That's no problem. There's not a, Full disclosure, if you go into the B1057 catalog, there is not a lot of Tupac and Dr. Dre. <laughs> There's, I do not think that they have the chronic catalog songs in their their own music catalog right now. So I will find you the radio edit of Doggy Dog World. We'll, we'll be we'll be good to go. Gotcha, man. Appreciate you. See ya. It's Friday night, Greg Rakestraw, the JMV Takeover. So Wes writes this, I ain't got nothing to prove to nobody. Scroll down the list of quarterbacks of the NFL and see how many of the good quarterbacks would have that fly out of their mouth. I don't care about that. He's talking about taking tests, taking tests to prepare to be chosen in the NFL. What he proves is on the field, and that's exactly what he's done. See, this is where we're all different. I don't give a real crap about what's going on in terms of, well, this is what he is. Mold him into what you want him to be as a quarterback. Give me his raw athleticism and tools. And his ball placement specialty and his mobility, his escapability, his athleticism. That's what I'm worried about. And if it's somebody else, then it's somebody else. And I would say the same thing about any of these guys. I'm not worried about the S2. I was never worried about the Wonderlick. I don't give a crap about the book work. When he's preparing for a game. That's the book work you're going to care about. And then when he gets on the field and he transfers that to how he performs, that's all that you should worry about. I'm not worried about the S2. Quick break and we'll come back. Wes, thank you for the email. Zach Kiefer, top of the hour. Kevin Bowen, 5 o'clock hour. Joe DeLeon of Believe Podcasting Network in the 5 o'clock hour as well. I got Thurgood tickets. What else? Yeah, Grand Prix tickets. And calls on the other side to 239-1070. Don't leave. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We're talking about tomorrow. Bowen's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. Kiefer of the athletic top of the hour. He's had stories recently about reasons why, reasons not to have a quarterback slotted at number four, drafted at number four. Get into that with Zach coming up here a little bit after four. Uh, Mike's going to lead today at 239-1070. Mike, jump on here. 
Hello, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Mike, go ahead and start talking. Yeah, man, uh, my thing is, uh, I was listening to you, man. Uh, my thing about uh, uh, drafting uh, players, I mean, everybody's got a different uh, prospect grade. My grade is, man, whatever the best tape is, that's what the coach should go with. I think that's a hell of a plan you got there, Mike. It's a hell of a plan. And don't get me wrong, man, I've been a Colts fan for since they moved to Indianapolis. And then, uh, like I said, man, it just whatever, you know what I mean, whatever the tape shows, whether it's C.J. Uh, Stroud or Levis or even Anthony Richardson, uh, that's who they ought to go with. Mike, that is a most logical answer right there. Mike, everybody. Hey, just select the best player. Can you? Hey, Chris Ballard. I'm looking at the camera. Just select the best player. Dot, dot, dot. Dash. Mike. Grant, lead us to the top of the hour. What you got? Hey, how's it going, Jim? Great, buddy. Go ahead. Hey, so I I have a question. Uh, We have not really heard much about this yet. So assuming... The Colts do the right thing tomorrow, and we take a quarterback. I mean, what do you think this thing looks like next year? Are we throwing a quarterback in week one? Are we letting Minshew roll for a bit? How do you feel about that? Uh, listen, you get your garden variety expectations, I guess. Um, you know, maybe somebody, you know, like a Stroud. And this is just kind of taking in what everybody has said to me, too. And I don't know if any of this is going to be true. You just don't know how it's going to hash out. But I would expect C.J. Stroud. To be ready sooner rather than later. I would expect Levis to be ready sooner rather than later. In terms of, you know, starters 13 games for the Gators, I don't know how ready Anthony Richardson would be. Uh, Hendon Hooker is going to have to wait because he's going to be injured. Uh, Bryce Young is going to be someplace else, Carolina. So, I mean, that's kind of how it looks. Just the thumbnail sketch version of how it looks. Probably in the ballpark, but really you don't know until these guys get out there and, and get prepared with their team. But that's that's kind of my guess, I guess. I gotcha. Yeah. Grant, anything else? No, nah, man, that was it. Um, I mean, yeah, I just asked that because, you know, you look at Herbert a few years ago. He wasn't, he wasn't starting week one, and uh, Taylor gets hurt, and he comes in, and he has a rookie of the year campaign right there. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm telling you. I, it, I, I Thank you for the call, too, Grant. We'll get into this with Zach Kiefer coming up on the other side. I'm just faring a guess on who may be more ready than the other. But, again, you truly don't know until you actually see them perform. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, where they're going to vote Mike for the next general manager, if need be. Just draft the best player. Colts, 93.5107.5, the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! Da! 
David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Oh. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Hour two underway. Greg Raystraw a little bit earlier. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. A full hour breakdown with every selection of the Colts made beginning tomorrow night through the weekend. Rick Venturi does it like nobody else. That podcast is up there, and I would check it out, 107.5thefan.com. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, earlier this week as well. Again, 107.5thefan.com. Bowen's going to drop by coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, and Joe DeLeon has a podcast on the Believe Network. We'll uh, chat about probably more than just number four overall. And those implications with Joe coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Meantime, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, get that thing hopping in there. Listen, Mike, Mike was on to something. Caller Mike 10 minutes ago said, hey, my advice to the Colts is just pick the best player. And I'm not making fun of Mike. Mike is absolutely positively right. Just pick the best player. All right, sift through. And see what is there. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from The Athletic. Zach Kiefer joins us. Caller Mike with some incredible advice on how Chris Ballard and company should approach number four coming up tomorrow night in this NFL draft. That's well done. Do you think they can afford to pick the best player, John? Can they afford to pick the best player? In meaning have trading up? Boxed, have they boxed themselves in? Does it feel like it's quarterback or bust? How would how would the city respond? Oh if no, no quarterback. Yeah, well, I, I think Mike. What Mike mentioned the is the best player is not going to be a quarterback. I mean, most likely, right? But the best player for them is a quarterback. So I, I don't <laughs> like. I've always thought, to a degree, Zach, that the best player available on the board. I think that's bullcrap because when you have a specific need like this. The hell with edge rusher, the hell with cornerback, or whatever else. If you have a need at quarterback, as they've had for so many years and been scuffling to try to get back on track, your best player available is going to be under center. That's what you do. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and GMs have said this for years and years. Oh, we always go best player available. We stick to the board, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you also draft for need. And everybody does that. Every single team out there does that. And remember, it's a somewhat of a miracle that they got the fourth pick, right? I think they were going to finish at like sixth, if right. not for that late fourth quarter collapse against the Texans, which would have thrown this whole draft in another direction because that means Houston gets the number one pick. And I think it's absolutely a certainty that they would have just turned in that card for Bryce Young. I think the draft as of right now, the way it's set up, it doesn't really start until number two. And the biggest question is what does Houston do? Do they go quarterback? Because if they don't, if they don't, that opens things up for the Colts. And suddenly you have a conversation about, possibly three quarterbacks as opposed to two. And that's a lot more fun because you can make a pretty good case for each of those three. And obviously they each come with their flaws as well. What's funny about that is, too, Houston in that win really helped out the Colts in two different ways because you consider Houston, and and I think to me this is crazy, 
And, you know, Texans fans, one in particular, a friend of mine has explained it. Well, D'Amico Ryans is there, and he's going to install the 49ers offense. Thus, the quarterback, especially in year number one here, is not going to be that important. They're, they're going to be able to wait because it's about the entirety of the team. But, see, that's different. In San Francisco, you can win with Brock Purdy and other quarterbacks because everything is so good around you. Debo Samuels, George Kittle, that defense, everything is so good around you. Houston doesn't have that quality thus they should be drafting a quarterback at number two overall i don't know what they're doing yeah i'm with you and i've heard you say this on the air for the couple of weeks that you're just not buying this buzz that houston's going to pass on a quarterback the other thing you didn't mention is yeah D'Amico ryan's is in houston but you know who's not is kyle shanahan he's one of the best offensive minds in this game they don't have george kittle they don't have debo samuel they don't have christian mccaffrey that team the way it's set up with a brock purdy can make a run to an nfc championship game Houston has no talent, maybe outside of Arizona, the thinnest roster in the league. And they've had Davis Mills for the better part of two seasons. It's just hard for me to see them passing on a quarterback with all these guys. I mean, they all, you know, they're top 10 grades, right? They're first round grades beyond Bryce Young. It's still hard for me to see them passing on a quarterback. And until they do, I just, I just kind of refuse to believe the fact that they're going to pass on one at number two with the needs that they have. And, and they can say that D'Amico Ryan has all the time in the world. Like Nick Casario, I'm not sure he does. They need to get this figured out one of these days. And this is their best chance they've had to go get a quarterback high. Zach Kiefer, the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I don't know if you've had the privilege to hear this particular C.J. Stroud quote. And I don't have a timeline for it. It could have been earlier today, last week. I don't know. I just liked it because he sounded like Kenny Powers a little bit. I thought that was pretty sweet. But this is C.J. Stroud remarking regarding the S2 um, and, and other situations he's kind of been put in. I think you're talking about Ohio State. You know, you go there to be a football player. He was asked if you know you go there to be a student whatever the case this was the cj stroud answer that i loved roll it <laughs> i'm not a, i'm not a test taker so uh, i play football uh for me uh but at the end of the day man i don't got nothing to prove to nobody so i don't i'm not gonna sit here and explain how i process football the people who are making the picks know what i can do um so that's all that matters to me there's a whole bunch of uh people who know how to coach better you know how to play quarterback better know how to do everything on social media but um a man in the arena, that, that's what's tough, is, is stepping in the arena 10 toes. So, um, and I'm going to stand on that. And I know what I can do. I know I can process well. I know if I'm not if I'm not the smartest quarterback in this draft, um, I know I'm one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL when I step in there tomorrow. So I have that confidence in myself. And I, and, uh, I don't think you can play at Ohio State and not be smart. So um, I don't got nothing to prove to nobody, man, uh, at the end of the day. If you don't trust and believe in me, uh, all I can tell you is watch this. C.J. Stroud, Zach, from a little bit earlier today, in fact, that was the timeline. He said a couple of different times, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Now, with me, I don't really care because I've seen it on the field, and you know this dude's going to have a chip on his shoulder, I think, regardless of what transpires in this draft because of what has been said and how he has been described in a lot of areas. We'll get to those in a second, but did you find any issue with that quote from earlier today regarding prospect C.J. Stroud? Yeah, and I wonder if he was asked about the S2 test, right, this new cognition test. And, look, I don't know what's accurate out there and what's not. I can't speak to that. But apparently C.J. Stroud's results were not nearly as high as some of the other quarterbacks. So that's the question about the test, right? Why didn't you score as well? And if I'm C.J. Stroud, I'm totally with you, John. You want to see how I do it when it's a test? Look at the college football semifinal against Georgia. That's a freaking test. 
That's the best team in the country with the best defense in the country with NFL guys at every level. How did I look that night? That was the best game he played in college. And, again, you don't play quarterback at Ohio State without being really smart and throw, what, 60 touchdowns and get seven interceptions. But this is the fascinating part because I walked out of the Lucas Oil Stadium in early March having watched the combine, and I get it. It's the combine. It's the underwear Olympics, all that. But the best athlete on the field was Anthony Richardson. The best quarterback on the field by far was C.J. Stroud. Now, Bryce Young didn't throw, but Stroud's accuracy jumped out to me. It was very obvious how much of an advanced passer he was compared to Levis and compared to Richardson. But it seems like after that, he was maybe going to be the number one pick, right? There was all that chatter for a couple weeks, and then that's really shifted. That's really shifted to Bryce Young. Now we don't know what's going to happen with C.J. Stroud. Maybe he just goes number two to Houston and they don't overthink it. But if he starts to fall, then we're going to start to put some stock into this S2 cognition test. And if he didn't do well, and if teams are worried about him processing and thinking through the game, then it's a real thing. It's a real thing if the teams tell it is. Uh, it might not be, but that's fascinating. But, man, I, I, feel, like, I feel like people are going to overthink C.J. Stroud. You watch the tape, and what has Ballard said all along? accuracy wins accuracy wins you have to win from the pocket i think he's the most accurate of these four quarterbacks the tape speaks to that it's not just because he had marvin harrison jr and really good receivers at ohio state it's because he puts the ball right where it needs to be richardson struggled with that levis struggled with that and i still can't really know if Bryce young size is going to hold up so i think stroud might be the most interesting quarterback in this draft but you can certainly make that case for richardson because you know, I feel like Atlanta's a team that, that could be lurking in terms of trading up to number three, and then the team we keep hearing about over and over, and this changes the dynamic for Indianapolis, is if Tennessee at number 10 feels really emboldened to move up for one of these quarterbacks, are they able to offer more to Arizona to move up to three to get one of these guys? Because that's going to play out for five to ten years between these two teams in the same division. Here's a Zach Key for the Athletic Draft coming up tomorrow. We're discussing that and more via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, you look at the Colts situation right now, and I've remarked about this, that um, they seem really comfortable where they are with what, as of right now, they're going to get at number four. I am, however, curious. Do you think that there is at all a chance that they feel compelled to trade up. It's Chris Ballard. He know he doesn't want to to give up that much. Do they feel compelled to trade up or is it like that all these teams what they normally say, you know, outside of the board went the way we thought. They always act like they know what was going to happen before it happens. In this case, is that the Colts or are they going to be philosophy-wise willing to trade up if need be in your estimation? Yeah, so they've mocked this. They've simulate, simulated all of these scenarios. And, and I can't tell you what their board looks like because they're not leaking that out, obviously. But I think the question, John, the most possibly the most relevant question is, if Stroud makes it past two, what's our offer to Arizona? If we feel like there's a big gap between Stroud and Richardson or Stroud and Levis, right? If Stroud is that high for them, then they have to know what they're willing to part. And the selling point to Arizona is you're still going to get the same guy, right? They're not going to draft a quarterback, so they're going to get the same guy at four that they would get at three. But you're essentially paying to block out the other teams, possibly possibly um, Seattle, possibly Detroit, possibly Atlanta, possibly Tennessee. How much does that cost? The Colts have a couple of extra fives laying around. Maybe it costs a two. Uh, I don't think it's going to cost a first-round pick next year or anything like that. 
But that's the game they've got to play, and they've got to know that right now. They've got to know that tomorrow before the draft gets here, right? If this happens, what are we going to do? If this happens, what are we going to do? And, yeah, we hear that, you know, they're comfortable where they're at. Do you buy that? Like, do you buy that they're just ranking Levis, Richardson, and Stroud all in the same class, and they're good with any three? Well, like, I, these quarterbacks are so different. There's no way, right? They got. I, I guess I do have to kind of buy it because that's their position right now. That's the way that it seems. I mean, they, they don't. Yeah, I mean, they, with all this, I, I understand that. But with all this other stuff, what we're talking about still before tomorrow. Like, I don't know what the feel might be like for them tomorrow. I just know that all these days leading up, they feel fairly comfortable where they are. Because you, and here's the reason why you haven't heard anything as far as any interest, you know, not even made up rumors about interest yeah. in moving up going someplace else, being compelled to do that because what they don't want isn't going to be there at four. So that has led me, Zach, to judge that they feel, as of right now, relatively comfortable in getting what they want it for. I think that's a fair assumption because at four, you're going to get one of those three quarterbacks, right? It just doesn't seem like, you know, it just feels like you're going to get one of those three not named Bryce Young. But the reality is this thing really starts at number two, like I mentioned, with what Houston does. We'll see what they do. And I think if you're Arizona, there's absolutely no reason to trade out of that pick until tomorrow night, right? Let's see what Houston does, and then let's see who calls us. And then they're going to take the best offer they can get, right? Houston needs all the talent. Excuse me, Arizona needs all the talent they can get. They're a little bit like Houston. Like, they just don't have players right now. Like, they don't have any names. So they're going to need to get a stud, probably on the defensive side of the ball, to start that new regime down in Arizona. What are the Colts willing to do? I, I just find that hard to believe. I feel like Anthony Richardson is so different from Will Levis. And I feel like C.J. Stroud is so different from both of them. They've got to have these guys ranked. And they've got to have one ahead of the other, ahead of the other. And this is too important of a decision. This is too monumental of a decision. And this position is too important to just kind of take whatever you get. That's my stance at least. We'll see what they say with what they do. And we'll see what they say afterward, because if they get up there and say we were fine with any of the three, we'll see how that plays out. Because these quarterbacks, these four quarterbacks are going to be compared to each other for a long, long time about how the, how the results play out in the league and what the decisions are tomorrow in the next 24 hours. Hey, Zach, do you find the argument against drafting Stroud or a criticism of Stroud that he had too much talent around him. It was too easy. Do you find that as lame as I do? Yeah. Yeah. Look, like turn on the tape, right? Like I think, and you've done this for three, four months, right? All the chatter, all the speculation, all the rumors, we're overdoing it. We're overanalyzing it. We're looking at everything. Like we're forgetting the most important thing is what they did on the field when they played football he made some really big plays last year, and it wasn't just because he had a good offense, and he shouldn't be punished for having good players around him. Uh, I watched it at his pro day. His pro day compared to Levis's, and I know they're throwing in shorts. There was a notable difference. There was a notable difference in ball placement and accuracy and all that. But this happens every year, and you got to buy into what you believe, and, and you got to ignore some of the other stuff. But I think the teams will tell us really what they think of C.J. Stroud tomorrow because I think he's such a fascinating thing in this in this draft. I just uh, listen the success of Joe Burrow at LSU. Dude, check out the yeah. roster of offensive talent he had around him. Right? What? What? Nothing. Right. I didn't. I don't remember hearing a damn thing about that. Right. I remember hearing about his hand size. 
So there was another ridiculous layer in his draft <laughs> process, right? And, and again, I understand we're, we're comparing two different players. He had this in, incredible season. Uh, they won the national title and all that. But I mean, he was he was he was not subtracted because or criticized because of the incredible talent that was around him like people are doing Stroud and I just think that sounds stupid right right but that happens every year it happens every year boss people pick apart their games they bring up tests we'll see but I feel like Houston I feel like they're not going to overthink it does Houston need a quarterback damn right they do they're going to roll with Davis Mills for another year like that's really hard, and they're trying to they're trying to sell a new brand, a new team, a new regime down there, and it would just be surprising to me. But there's all this Will Levis chatter. There's a little bit of Anthony Richardson chatter. Um, we'll find out soon. But I think, and tell me if you disagree. If C.J. Stroud falls and the Colts come out of this draft with him, I think Chris Ballard comes out smelling like roses. That's my opinion. I don't know what kind of pro he's going to be, but everything I've heard so far, I like about him accuracy, maturity. I shouldn't. He shouldn't be knocked for playing with great players at Ohio State like you just mentioned. That's a win for the Colts because you didn't have to move up to one to get him. Yeah, and I, I would I would agree with that. I also kind of take it like this. With, with this group, and regardless of if you selected any of the four that we most commonly talk about here, it is still going to be a – a wait and see because there, there's not that one rising above the rest like there was an Andrew Luck or, you know, as we have seen in the past. I mean, the, the, there are a number of warts that come still with all these guys. So I, I think that's why, for the most part, you shouldn't see a lot of anger coming up after this selection because you can make an argument out of one or the other and go like 13 different ways with them all. That's just how even it seems to be right now. The proving ground is going to be, you know, when we see them, how quickly do we see them and how productive they end up being. But right now, yeah, I think that just the fact that you have designated this draft to finally move the meter on your young quarterback of the long-term future, that just seems like a win in general for Colts fans. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I was talking with the guys in the media room today. Like, you can talk yourself into any of these four guys. You really can. I don't I don't know if you've heard this, but I, there's a lot of anti-Will Levis out there. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. I, and I don't, I, don't really, I don't really get that. You know, some people have Carson Wentz vibes. They're two different guys, and, and I've watched the tape on Levis, and there's a lot to like. There really is. There's certainly some interceptions you hate, but Richardson's got his flaws, and Stroud might be too robotic, and Young is too small, right? You can pick apart – these guys in different in different ways, but you're getting. Do you think Indy's going to be patient? Because I think the regime's going to be patient. I think the owner's going to be patient. And you hired this coach and gave him a six year contract. That's important here. If they draft Anthony Richardson, there's a chance he doesn't play next year. Now this guy needs live reps. I understand that as well. But they're going to be thinking long term with this. I really think this draft pick's about 2024 and 2025 more than it's about 2023. And I understand. Fans are going to want this guy to play right away, and they're going to flock to Westfield in August to watch him. But this is going to be a long, long process, and we're going to really not start to know until about two to three years in if he's really a dude. Like, even Reggie, Reggie Wayne told a story today of Andrew's first year, and and Andrew was the guy, right? Like, everybody knew he was going to be a stud. And even Reggie had to take him aside early and say, you don't worry about the offense. I'll hold everything down. You just play quarterback. And it was about 12 weeks into that season. They went 11-5 and five that year, right? Luck was a pro bowler as a rookie. When Luck went up to Reggie and said, 
okay, I really have it all figured out right now. And that was, I mean, he's a freaking prodigy, right? So that was Andrew Luck. Like, this is going to take time. And I know that's not fun to hear, but they're going to have to be patient with this guy. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see the response because I know there's an anti-Will Levis sentiment. I'm sure there's an anti-Anthony Richardson. I'm sure some people are down on Stroud. But, like, watch the tape, and all of these guys can do a lot of really fun things. And they're going to be a fun quarterback if it works out. But it's going to take a couple years, and I know that's not the fun thing And some of it with Levis, and that's who I'm going to go with because I've gone with that, and, and I've told you this before. I, You know, that's something before everything went absolutely down in terms of lockdown. That was a name that I'd heard well before that. Uh, and, yeah, and again, things, for a while. Yeah, things could have changed. I understand that. But the fact is, I haven't heard anything to believe that it's going to change. And, you know, if you're trying to, to look for signs and trying to read the tea leaves, I guess, the fact that they have remained confident there at number four to this point seems to me that, again, as of right now, they believe who they want is going to be there at number four. And up until yesterday, you thought that Levis was absolutely going to be there at four. So I had really no reason not to maintain my assumption and my educated guess that that's who it's going to be tomorrow night at four. Yeah, and the crazy thing about his, Will Levis could go as high as number two, or he could fall, right? I mean, I mean, as, as low as 15, 16, I don't know. I'm just making numbers up, but it feels like, if one of the four falls, it's going to be him, and he could fall outside the top ten. I don't think that's going to happen. But it doesn't seem like Anthony Richardson's going to fall much further than seven or eight. But we'll see. We'll see. It'd be a, it'd be a stunner if Levis went two to Houston. But, again, um, we've seen things like this in the past. You never really know. Everybody was sure that Mac Jones was going to go third to San Francisco a couple of years ago, and he didn't go to 15 to the Patriots. So that's going to be the fun part. But, Man, aren't you tired of reading the tea leaves? Aren't you ready to get to tomorrow yeah. night? Uh, you know, it comes with the territory. You understand this, too. I mean, it, it, it's right. it's better. I will say this. It's better than not talking about it. Like, it's more interesting to talk about it than it not being around, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like when we it's get into we get into June and Ju- we get into June and July and have to grind it out then, yeah, you're gonna wish you had this conversation still going on. And I guess to a degree we will, but it uh you, you wish you had this. And I, I do. I, I kinda like it. I like the differing opinions, and I really like this year because there is just no overwhelming this is who it's going to be type of decision to be made. And and we'll close out on Levis. A lot that has been described of him, and you know, besides what you saw a year ago compared to what you saw where he was outstanding the year prior at Kentucky, people will suggest he's he's too cocky, he's too arrogant. And I go, perfect. Perfect. Because to me, the, the Colts are also in this to look for a consummate leader. And I don't yeah. think it's automatically going to be there. This is something, and the major reason why they chose Shane Steichen is for this. He is going to teach and mold this quarterback into what he wants and believes. And a part of that aspect is doing that in terms of leadership guidance, understanding, all things leadership-wise that position hasn't had since Philip Rivers here, all that they're looking for. But this is something they're going to try to build within. They're looking for it. They may not get it initially, but that's the reason why Shane Steichen is here for this moment. And and Levis is a good kid. 
Like, he's not this cocky, arrogant prick. I don't know if that's a real theory out there, but trust me, like, I didn't have the greatest opinion of him after the combine. I didn't think it was the greatest press conference. Again, it's 15 minutes, and you're getting questions shouted at you from a group of 100 reporters. It's not a very representative period to to really learn a lot about a guy. But I went down to Lexington, and I talked to his coaches, and I saw him around his teammates, and I talked to his teammates, and I had a much more positive impression of him after that. And the, and the other reality is this guy's obsessed with football and that matters to Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen is going to have a huge say in this decision. And I really believe Levis has that obsessive quality that the coach is looking for. Like he would watch the, the film of Kentucky spring practices before he transferred. And then he would call Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, and he'd ask him 15 questions about what he saw and what he was learning and to make sure he was doing it right. Like that's what coaches want. And he's got the physical tools. And, and, and like you said, coaches believe that they can make these guys better. If the, if the worst thing they're doing is footwork, if the worst thing they're doing is mechanical, like absolutely coaches are going to believe that they can fix that. Every coach believes they can fix that. So I, I don't get the vibes on Levis. I don't get the uproar about why people are so negative on him. I think he'd be fine. I think you could work with it. The question is, do you want a guy that you feel pretty good about in day one, or do you want to maybe take a swing on a guy – that might grow into a player that could scare the living crap out of defenses for a long time, and that could be Anthony Richardson. Very hey, different quarterbacks, in my opinion. Hey, Zach, one final thing. I um I was thinking about this, too, and this is not going to be an anti-Chris Ballard question. A lot of people would think, oh, yeah, you just don't like Ballard or whatever. Th- this is not the case at all. Uh, and I know others are going to suggest, well, it's his first year. He hasn't even coached a game yet. Why would you hold so much confidence? But as much as I've thought about this, to me, the deciding opinion on where to go at quarterback at number four should be the rookie head coach in Shane Steichen. He's the one that's going to be molding and working with. He knows what has been good for him in the past. And nothing against Ballard, nothing against Jim Irsay. But to me, this should be, more than anybody else, a Steichen opinion about where they're going at number four tomorrow. Do you agree? I don't think that's crazy to say at all. And I think Ballard would almost agree with you. Now it's Ballard's job to pull the trigger, and it's on Ballard's resume. And this is the pick that will define his tenure. I asked him that last Friday, and he kind of brushed it off and said, yeah, you guys feel more pressure than I do. Yeah, but that's the reality, man. This pick is everything for this franchise. But to answer your question, absolutely. You're betting not just on this young passer. You're betting on your new head coach, who you gave a six-year contract to who you hired above 13 other candidates, you know, really for this job, right? It's not just being the head coach, right? It's to mold this young passer. And that's what Ursay's wanted. Ursay didn't want to go get Carson Wentz. He wanted to go young in the draft and develop his own. That matters a lot to him. And that's what this coach is here to do. So I'm with you, man. He's worked with Jalen Hurts. He's worked with Justin Herbert. He's worked with Phillip Rivers. There's no real one skill set that makes you think Steichen has a preference. But the one thing I keep going back to is that obsessive quality. Every time we ask Shane about what he wants in a quarterback, he wants himself. Like, he wants a guy who's all ball. Every time you ask someone about Shane Steichen, they're like, he's all ball, all football. That's what Steichen's looking for. And that's not necessarily something you see on tape. It's what you see and hear and feel in these meetings they've had with these quarterbacks the last couple of weeks. And, you know, gun to my head, if, if they're on the clock tomorrow night and they don't know who it's going to be between two guys – and they turn to Steichen and say, which one do you want? I feel like that's fine. You're rolling the dice on the kid. You're rolling the dice on your coach. 
and give your coach the guy he wants and see and see how it works out. Well, again, Chris Ballard got a new lease on his general manager position. He's got three years. You mentioned the contract length of Shane Steichen. So there is a comfort. I think most Colts fans out there, you want to see signs, right? Positive signs. You want a little right. bit of juice. There's no doubt about that. But I think it's a foregone conclusion. Most Colts fans understand the situation they're in right now. And uh, all that work starts coming up tomorrow night, presumably at number four overall. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll catch up with you, you know, maybe again with some reaction on Friday, but certainly at some point next week with the overall reaction. And, you know, there are more picks more molding to do too and me cornerback edge rusher wide receiver again you know all positions of interest where they're going to have to try to get better coming up over the course of this weekend i appreciate as always zach thank you thanks john have a good one that's zach Kiefer of the athletic on the andy moore automotive group hotline that is not anti-ballard by the way i just think if you bring this coach in specifically for that reason because of his work and his success in the past with quarterbacks, then if it is a half a percentage, a full percentage point, just a little bit more, I would go with his choice over I would the owners or the general managers right here. You agree? Get back to you guys with that thought in mind on the other side. Bowen, top of the hour, Joe DeLeon, Believe Network Podcasting. Some NFL conversation with Joe at 530. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, kid. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, inside the lounge via YouTube Live where the conversation is going. Dabney's in the house in there today. Rain. Who is it? Is it uh, Lick is the one that makes fun of me. Lick calls me Big Head. You got to fit a lot of brain in this thing. Actually, now there's a lot of room and not much brain. That's unfortunate. Got a lot of space to rent in here. Now, get involved in the conversation. I should have tweeted that out. Should have put it on Facebook a little bit earlier. But it is always really good with everybody in there. And a shout out to Gritty. Gritty, I'm assuming really happy. Are you fans really happy that Xavier Johnson will indeed was cleared by the NCAA? Cleared to have another season, what, 11 games a year ago before he was injured and done? So Xavier Johnson is back. Yeah, the NCAA. How's Kevin Lennon doing over there? Shout out to Kev. Hopefully he still listens often. Hopefully they all still listen when Matt Painter was on here last week. That was awesome. (laughs) Really good. Oh, man. Uh, this is from Jim McCann in Southern California. JMV, with you, Rick said about Stroud, quote, he played in a rocking chair at Ohio State. He's going to have had five first-round draft pick receivers in the last two years. Dirty pockets, collapsing pockets really affected his efficiency. Sounds like he is taking this into account. See, and that's fine. 
but I didn't hear a damn word about this with Joe Burrow. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Joe Burrow throwing? I mean, did he have on that team some pretty good players? Chase, Jefferson on that team, Marshall on that team, Edwards Hilaire, I think he was in the backfield of that team. I'm just to name a few. Man, that comes with a territory when you're the quarterback of a good team. I'm just telling you that among the criticisms, that's the one that I think that sucks. It really sucks the most. You would thrive. You should be thriving right now if you're the Colts to put together something to help your quarterback. When is the last time you felt? I mean, it's either been one or the other. The quarterback needs help, doesn't get it. Or the help needs a quarterback, like last year, and doesn't get it. it just that, that part doesn't bother me, I guess. Maybe it should. You know, maybe it should, and maybe I do hold on to this a little bit more tightly than anybody else with this particular opinion is because from from what I saw last year, and in particular as I bring up that Georgia game, you cannot deny. It didn't really matter in that game who was out there. If they were going to have any open windows at all, he's going to hit them. I just take in consideration what I saw against the two-time national champions. And I'm not factoring in everything. I'm sure he had some lame performances. I think if you line all these guys up, you'll probably find some lame performances. But he just looked like in that game what is needed here. And sure, I'm not considering leadership quality. I'm not considering the S2 because whatever, I mean, the S2, if that is, if, if what that does from what we've all been told, it computes exactly your decision-making prowess, how quickly you decipher, define information in front of you, make those decisions. He looked pretty damn good at it against Georgia. Like, that was a level of quarterback play that I think even Ohio State fans went, oh, wow, about And that looked perfect for what has been a consistent problem here. And we've seen it all. We've seen it all. Now, going all the way back, if you want to, to Jacoby Brissett, I mean, at least in between, Phillip Rivers Rivers was good. I don't want to downplay that season because he was enjoyable. He played well. That's great. But everything else, it's always been wanting – the opposite and the opposite has been the detriment with Carson Wentz you know it was decision making well he could he tried to escape he tried to extend the play is oftentimes that led him down a path to make a horrific decision I mean numbers wise you look at his numbers and you guys would have taken that a year ago all day long If the quarterback playing here last year had Wentz numbers the year prior, Jeff Saturday would still be the head coach here. True story. Because they would have won some games. More games, I should say. More than four. So, and part of it is, there is is no doubt, others do this 
much more than I do, and I kind of act like I just swoop in here and go, well, I'm genius because I saw one game. Now, I'm being honest about the one game and the effect that one game had on me with what I want to see the long-term solution to quarterback for the Colts be able to do. I think that there are some qualities about all these guys that can do that. But it's just to me that Stroud has shown that, and especially against the the top-of-the-line best that college football has to offer. He has actually shown that ability. Dave is at 239-1070. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? How you doing, JMV? Dave, I couldn't be any better. Thanks for asking. That's very kind. Hey, I wanted to let you know, I've recovered from my knee surgery. You ought to do it, but do it when you don't have any remotes for about a month because it takes you a month to be going going well. But the point I wanted to make is I understand your comparison between Joe Burrow and Stroud. Burrow did something that nobody else you'd been able to do, even when they had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Leonard Fournette. C.J. Stroud has done exactly the same thing that we saw J.T. Barrett do, that we saw Dwayne Haskins do, that we saw Cardell Jones do, and none of those three people made it in the NFL. All right, so you know my opinion on this is that I just it's talking about talent. I'm trying to dismiss the fact that it does not matter, the talent around him, right? That, that was my I, point. Uh, no, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that this, we've seen a good quarterback in a good program right. with talent around them before out of the same Oh, program, okay, I got you, I got you. Them, and none of them had success. Yeah, I, I misunderstood that. Yeah, I misunderstood that. Yeah, and I, I, that's why, I mean, you can take that, and that, that's great. I probably should go ahead and use that as a counterpoint. I just I just think, and I'm assuming you do as well, that this entire argument of, well, he had this great talent around him is beyond lame. Well, I, there's a lot of arguments out there that are lame. I don't think any of these four guys are going to be outstanding, and I think it's hysterical that the talking heads and most of the media guys, uh, and I'm not including you in that, are trying to talk everybody into that this is a quarterback class that is you've got to take these four quarterbacks you got to take them early everybody's got to move up and trade these guys if these guys were in last year's class or the year before i don't know how many of them would be in the top four can i tell you this though of of what we think carolina i'm going to use carolina houston and the colts as an example to me those are three teams regardless of the impression this quarterback's class gives anybody. Three teams that have to select a quarterback. Two of which that will, one that may not in Houston. But would you not agree? Again, regardless of what anybody believes or how this is defined or described as a quarterback class, those three teams at the top of this draft should be selecting a quarterback. You agree or disagree? I think there are good players on the board that could help all those franchises, whether whether it's a quarterback or some of the stellar defensive, because there's so many holes. I mean, you're talking about teams that have won three games and won four games, and I don't know that any one of these quarterbacks are going to improve that. Now, here's what I'm hoping for tomorrow night, just so you know. 
I'm hoping Frank Wright pulls something and they draft anybody but Bryce Young, which means the Texans will draft Bryce Young. And then it's on for the scramble to see who can get Arizona to trade that third pick. Hey, I do want a little drama. I'm right there with you on that. Dave, I think those are all very reasonable points you're making, brother. Appreciate you. Have a great day, sir. You got it. All right, Todd, I got Mark from the Brig, Big Green Egg. I almost said Brig Green Egg. You got Aaron and some other folks at 239-1070, other side. Bowen DeLeon. More NFL chatter coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. By the way, this is an anniversary. I did want to say this. An anniversary of really one of the great moments in the past 20-plus years. It was on a basketball floor, but it wasn't about basketball. Something that always gets to your heart this day over 20 years ago. I'll tell you about that. Get your calls. That and more on the other side next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Ahoy, Poloy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I mentioned... Nothing but the 90s on Friday night. The JMV Takeover's on Friday night this week. I'm at Ron Colley on Saturday, so the rare Friday night JMV Takeover. I'm going to go right from here, right next door, and nothing but the 90s where you just might hear a 10-star and head. You never know. Nothing but the 90s JMV Takeover Friday night on B105.7. I'd mention this, this date in history. 2003 it was on the basketball court in Portland, but that didn't mean anything. If you remember, and I'm not going to play this, but I'm just going to give you that memory. There was a girl singing the national anthem, and she forgot the words. She got nervous, forgot the words about a quarter of the way through. And in step, Portland Trailblazers head coach Mo Cheeks to help her out in one of the greatest moments ever. I love it. I can never get tired of watching that. I mean, there, if if you're looking for a way that you would like everybody to be, look no further than the Mo Cheeks reaction in that moment. This date back in 2003. Also, if there is one signature early career moment for Ken Griffey Jr., This date, Yankee Stadium, 1990, Jesse Barfield. Jesse Barfield, frozen rope out to left center. And Ken Griffey Jr., I believe that's where, maybe it happened before that, but I thought that's where they really started to call him the kid. Goes up on the wall and brings that home run ball of Jesse Barfield back. Man, by the way, Barfield was a badass then. Had a great Stratomatic card. Now, this date back in 1990, 239-1070. Mark of the Big Green Egg is with us. Hello, Mark. Hey there, John. How you doing, bud? Could not be better. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I'm sitting out in the sun here in Brownsburg. I've Wonderful. got some chicken wings cooking on the big green nice. egg. Nice. And uh, life could not be better. That's a beautiful thing. Hey, I want to give my two cents on this, and, and I know you can picture this. Okay, I'm thinking Richardson. Anthony Richardson has to be the quarterback we pick because of our coach, okay? Okay. Because of Philadelphia. Think about this. Okay, Jonathan Taylor needs to catch more balls out of the backfield, in my opinion. Last year, he ran up the middle and was stuffed constantly. So defenses will now they – they won't know where to go. We've got Jonathan Taylor coming out of the backfield. We've got Richardson running or throwing. I think our offensive line, which I called a couple weeks ago and I told you, I said I think our offensive line still ain't going to be able to block for anybody. And this will give us the most dynamic offense. Well, let me just say this. It'll give us options. Now, do you agree Do you agree to that or no? Uh, you're talking about Richardson? Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, I, mean I, I think at some point he's going to give you options. I think it's dependent upon where, you know, as a 13-game starter in his, his college career to this point, I don't know when, you know, I, I don't know when you punch the clock officially on him. Well, so, yeah. No, okay, no, listen, but, but, but really – it may end up being him, too. I mean, I can understand why you look at him, athletically speaking, and you want to compare it to what, what Shane Steichen had in, in Hertz to a degree yep. in Philadelphia. I mean, you want to give him, you know, all those options of athleticism, the run and the pass. I think it's it's the pass part that I would question. If there was one question I had about him was – quarterback position play is he going to be able to do it to the point to where you need to where you need to have an accurate passer that's the one thing that stands out and there has not been enough information mark because he's only had 13 games to prove it collegiately uh that that is the boom versus bust scenario right there i mean it could go big time boom and it could go big time bust right there i gotta run but man enjoy those wings and hopefully i see you again soon Okay, brother. Thank you. Uh, Big Green Egg, and that's Mark. If you're on hold, I get back to you. Bowen and more, 5 o'clock hour. Your chance to win, too. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Warriors-Kings game five is here later on tonight at 9.30. What a great night of NBA playoff basketball. Uh, from the 1990s, I believe that's from the album Siamese Dream, a group that's coming later on this summer to Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Smashing Pumpkins, and the song is called, James, do you know? Not a clue. Mayonnaise. Really? Mayonnaise. That's appropriate. The Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You guys were blanking around with mayonnaise this morning on the morning show. What happened? We were. Um... Yes, in honor of potentially Will Levis uh, being the pick, we decided to drop a little mayonnaise in some coffee and um, consume that. Um, I believe Levis did that on a, on an occasion. He's known to do some kind of um, interesting food stuff, to say the least. So it was about as utterly horrifying as you would imagine, just the, the kerplunk of the mayo into the coffee was was quite the uh, mm. quite the sound, and then watching it curdle up, it, you know, it really uh, it got chunky in there real quick. Chunky. 
Kevin Bowen, The Morning Show, Kevin Inquiry, 7 until 10 a.m., where they all three had a diet of coffee and mayonnaise this morning uh, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I, I brought this up to Zach Kiefer a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, it, my impression, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, my impression is this, that if there is going to be an overall um, defining decision on their selection of quarterback at number four, wherever it is, you know, if it's you know further up, which I don't think it will be, or at number four, as we're talking about it right now, Shane Steichen, to me, even as a rookie head coach, right, he should have, you know, even if it's by a half a percentage, he should have the most over general manager and owner or anybody else as to who he's going to be molding and working with for the long-term future under center for the Colts. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um you know, I'm not holding my breath that that necessarily will happen, but there's there's nothing, there's very little to nothing on the Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer resume that should all of a sudden mean that they get more say in this than Shane Steichen. Um, Steichen's resume just absolutely, um, whatever, outplays the other two or, or certainly garners or should garner. Uh, more of a voice, um, not to mention he's going to be the one, you know, directly working with this guy much more so than the other two. Um, and, and again, I feel like this is just kind of a part of the draft process that we forget about. It's like you draft the guy and then it's like, oh, wait, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. R- Reggie Wayne is actually talking about that today. I mean, certainly Peyton had, you know, Marvin Harrison and Tara Glenn, you know, w- on the roster when he was drafted, but you know, from a Reggie Wayne, a Dallas Clark, a Joseph Adai, a you know, Mathis, a Freeney, you know, Jeff Saturday. I mean, there are a lot of guys that weren't here that obviously were central figures to that era having as much success as it did. Um, so, you know, just drafting the guy doesn't stop there. You, you know, might have to develop a whole lot and then, of course, support um, in years to come. But, yeah, when you're dividing up decision makers and who should have the loudest voice or the strongest voice or the one you trust the most in that room, uh, without question, it should be Shane Steichen, and it should be overwhelming in the Shane Steichen favor. I just wonder what direction he might be thinking. I mean, and that's I think that's why, because there are warts on all these guys, there is no clear path. You know, we don't come up with a unanimous decision as we did, for example, with Andrew Luck. You just look maybe for the best fit for this team long term, and then the best fit for now the the six year you know, contracted first year head coach. You have any idea who that should be? Because I, I really don't. I, I think to me, he's there because he's capable of doing anything, and I, I don't want him called the quarterback whisper. By the way. Because everybody referenced that as Frank Reich here, and that was far from the case results-wise as we saw here. So not a quarterback whisper, but he is expected to mold into what he wants. What would best satisfy what they have right now and into the not-so-distant future as a necessity at number four quarterback in your estimation? Yeah, it's a great question. As you point out, John, I mean, he's worked with so many different styles and sizes of quarterbacks, which I think made him so attractive in the process. Um, you know, obviously the most recent one, you, you see a big-time run threat in Jalen Hurts, and that's where Anthony Richardson starts. And, and um, 
you know, I think one thing that is difficult to sit through this process is, you know, Jalen Hurts was not the one that Shane Steichen drafted. You know, he, he came to Philadelphia after Hurts was drafted. The only one of the three, Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts that he was a part of drafting would have been Herbert. And in that case, Herbert went, you know, third of the three quarterbacks. You know, seemingly there were three above the rest in that 2019, or I guess it would have been 2020 draft maybe, with um, Joe Burrow going one, Tua going at five, and then Herbert going right after Tua at six. The 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 trait that he most covets, or at least he says he most covets, is the one that's hardest for us to like know because it is a behind the scenes, between the ears sort of trait. Um, I remember him telling a story at the combine about Justin Herbert, and that was the COVID draft, and and you know talking on Zoom with with Herbert, and you know basically at the start of the Zoom session, you know telling him some sort of play concept or play or whatever it was, and then later on in the Zoom, kind of coming back to it and trying to see the recall that Herbert had, and Herbert really blew blew them away in that um, whatever Zoom film session. So you hear something like that, and then all of a sudden my mind starts thinking, oh, boy, would, would he have hesitancy over a C.J. Stroud and those, you know, testing numbers? And this is me probably just overthinking it on, you know, the eve of the draft. Uh, and obviously the Richardson connection you would have from a dual threat standpoint. Um, you know, Steichen has mentioned, you know, accuracy is a really important trait he looks for, but he also thinks accuracy can improve. Jalen Hurts' accuracy definitely improved under Shane Steichen. But we also should note Jalen Hurts' accuracy in college is at a much higher level than Richardson. Uh, then you get into Levis and you think, boy, NFL system, you know, between the ears, this is a guy that, you know, transferred in college. I look at transferring when you have success at that next school. I think that's, a, that's an advantage for you. I, I think that, you know, shown that you dealt with some adversity, um, whether you decided to do it or not, it was some adverse situation and you came out on the other side of it pretty well. So, you know, in, in, in conclusion, I guess, John, it's like you can talk yourself into any of them from a style off the field um, issue or off the field standpoint as well. And that's why I, I think Colts fans should have, you know, great belief in Steichen. And ultimately, I just think when the pick is made tomorrow night at nine o'clock, it's, it, it's just an injection of hope into a franchise that has not had it in several years, because even when you went Band-Aid, you knew there wasn't staying power with that. You know, all the quarterbacks that you've had over the last, and you could argue luck was this way given his medical history, but all the recent QBs you've had, they were all depreciating. They were all deteriorating. They all were on, you know, the back nine, the final few holes of their career. The thought is the quarterback you take tomorrow night is growing and needs to be developed, and the unknown is scary, but it's also a guy that can be ascending and you can mold something out of that, and you have something to work with potentially for the next five to ten years. And, again, while that unknown is scary, I think it's also pretty exciting, and the path the Colts have to go down. It's uh, Kevin Bowen, The Morning Show. Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I know that there are lots of not-so-subtle differences, um, certainly here. I'm not comparing at all C.J. Stroud. Um, at this level, the NFL, to what Joe Burrow has accomplished. But I think that the the whole criticism, well, look at the talent around him at Ohio State, is just beyond lame. I do. And that's been my opinion all along. Because if you look at Joe Burrow, and I know what he accomplished. They were, what, 15-0, won the national title. 
But Joe Burrow had just as much talent around him offensively at skill positions as C.J. Stroud did, and I don't remember any of that conversation. Yeah, it, it's a totally fair question. It's actually a question I threw to Charles Davis, and we had him on a little bit earlier earlier today. No, wait a minute. You, I, you asked that question today? Yeah, I asked that. What, to, did it sound uh, just like that? <laughs> well, I wish it sounded as – No, 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 no. I mean, did, did you compare Burrow to Stroud? Yeah, because I – Wow, hell. Great minds think alike. I didn't even hear it. Yeah. That sounds like I'm, I'm like, uh, listening to the show and copying your questions now. Thanks. <laughs> well, honestly uh, – Full transparency, I'd be copying a listener's question because um, they were, whatever, tuning in on Monday or Tuesday, and they threw ah. that question to me. Okay. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good well, question. And, and, and while, while we're being honest here, it was a friend of the show, Greg, that gave me that question earlier today while we're being honest. So there it is. Yes. Well what, done. We got, we, be without our, we got really smart listeners here. Listeners. Good job. Yeah, I mean. All right. We'll continue. I didn't mean to break up your concentration there, but that's well done by our listeners. Go ahead. Tremendous. Um, you know, I, I would think the one separation in those two, and I, I know the Big Ten East is a pretty good division, but it's not the SEC West. And, and so I think when you look at an entire schedule, I do think the level of competition the Borough faced week in and week out was at a higher level than, I mean, hell, Ohio State was even a three-touchdown favorite, seemingly, against Notre Dame in, in the opener, and that was one of their tougher games that they had last season. Um, now, of course, just watch the Georgia game, and, and for 60 minutes, C.J. Stroud silences any of that doubt, and that was a game that Jackson Smith and Jigma didn't play, and Marvin Harrison Jr. got injured late in that game. So, you know, certainly he's got stuff on his resume that, that, that would quiet that, I think the only like the only sort of nitpick I get with Stroud in the what do those testing numbers mean is that when you look at his 13 game season through 80 to 90 percent of that season, it was easier for him than it was for Levis. You know, I I guess all four of them were in the SEC. The other four, And, and how much of that should be a factor? How much of that? Um, is there any correlation, I guess, to those test scores where what, a, again, I, I am not saying those test scores are gospel at all, but is there any sort of, he wasn't put into as many difficult situations as the others. Therefore, could you, you know, completely whatever grade him on that? Because when he gets to the NFL, he's not going to have that talent advantage, you know, on a weekend week out basis that he had there. You know, Burrow, if you want to look at it, again, whatever. He did great on those test scores. So maybe that's what gave Cincinnati a little bit more feeling on that. Um, I would still take Stroud. Apologies if you can hear Rosie in the, in the background, of course. She Hi, Rosie. Very big C.J. Stroud fan, it sounds like. Um, I, I would still take Stroud. Um, that would not worry me. But I guess I'm just trying to make sense of why all this chatter is he would potentially fall. And maybe, like, some of that is there. Granted, I mean, we knew who Ohio State played back in January. Like, it's not like the schedule's changed a whole lot. Um, so that's where, you know, maybe some of it is due to, you know, testing, coachability, whatever. I'd still take them, but I'm just trying to get somewhat of an understanding on what, you know, these teams could be thinking if they do indeed uh, pass on them. Did you hear the C.J. Stroud comments earlier today? I did, yeah. The ones about the S two test. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm assuming. Yeah. I, I think it was about just going to Ohio State first in general, and it. I, I think in his his mind, it it kind of then went to the uh, the S two test or whatever. Uh, Kev, sit tight. I want you to listen to this, and we'll play off of this and see if you have a problem with it. CJ Stroud answering a question earlier today. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a test taker, so uh, I play football uh, for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I don't got nothing to prove to nobody, so I don't. I'm not going to sit here and explain how I process football. The people who are making the picks know what I can do, um, so that's all that matters to me. There's a whole bunch of uh, people who know how to coach better, know how to play quarterback better, know how to do everything on social media, but. Um, that man in the arena, that, that's what's tough, is, is stepping in the arena 10 toes. So, um, and I'm going to stand on that. And I know what I can do. I know I can process well. I know if I'm not if I'm not the smartest quarterback in this draft, um, I know I'm one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL when I step in there tomorrow. So I have that confidence in myself. And I, and, uh, I don't think you can play at Ohio State and not be smart. So um, I don't got nothing to prove to nobody, man. Uh, at the end of the day, if you don't trust and believe in me, uh, all I can tell you is watch this. All right, some people thought, all right, Kev, that's C.J. Stroud, and he's mentioning he has nothing to prove to anybody. And they, I think, are positioning that as the detractors. Well, he does have something to prove. You don't want anybody that that goes into the NFL saying they don't have anything to prove. I think that that was completely pointed at the S2 and everybody believing that he does not have, you know, the decision-making prowess under center to be a top-level quarterback in the NFL. I think that's what he was talking about, not that he has nothing to prove as far as a player in the NFL. And I thought that that also spoke to a very confident guy and his abilities. Did you hear the same thing? Yeah, yeah. I think that's directly related to the question of his testing scores because it's really the first time publicly. I assume that was at the draft. I assume that was in Kansas City um, earlier today. So I, I would say that's directly Related to that, and you know, and, you know, I listen to C.J. Stroud and, and and Anthony Richardson and you know Bryce Young and Will Levis all in a pretty like I don't know 15, 20 minute span. I guess Levis a little bit after them at the combine. You know, Bryce Young is like I mean a different tone, uh, just extremely nice. Like you know, just seems like someone just super super genuine. Stroud, Richardson, and Levis in their own individual ways, they come off of you know a bit probably brash. Um, a bit confident, a bit cocky. Uh, you could walk away from any of those three media sessions and you could take their comments and say, that dude's cocky as hell. Or you could say, in a way, that's them saying what Peyton Manning supposedly said to Bill Polian back in 98 of, if you don't take me, I'm going to kick your ass for the next decade or whatever. Right. So um, I, I look at that as Stroud. Stroud, to me, of all of them, I thought he was the most like up at that podium at the combine, like I am in full control right here. Like I have... You know, I mean, he was representing Ohio State people by name. He was calling on people. I mean, this dude looked like bright lights. Just he certainly thrives on the field when we saw him in the national semifinal and then in those podium sessions as well. So I, I just take that as a guy that understandably, and, and if I were his age and I were in this moment, I'd be pretty pissed off by, you know, supposedly all these comments, you know, attacking my intelligence. Um, and I thought, I don't know if it was Charles Davis with us, um, earlier today, maybe it was um, Ross Tucker, but I think the thing to like keep in mind with Stroud in these comments, it's like okay, suppose or or these testing scores, supposedly they indicate that he doesn't process well, and in you know sudden instances he struggles in that area. Well, well okay, show me that then on film because I don't think you saw a guy that just last second just 
all of a sudden had a ton of bad interceptions or, you know, really crippled under pressure. And obviously, you know, I know you were blown away by that Georgia game. I was, I think everybody like just what he looked like in a moment when, again, he didn't have his full arsenal around him against the best opponent in, in probably a hostile environment as well. So, you know, for all those reasons, I, the scores would have a tad bit of skepticism, but I, you know, part of me thinks the Colts could look at those S2 scores and hold that into some well, high regard, you know? That was going to lead to my next question. Are you with me? And if Stroud is available at four, it would not surprise me in the least for the Colts not to select him. Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's a debate that I have I have – thought about and and had um as much as i think it should be a you hand the card in as soon as you get on the clock i i could see a little bit of pause and i guess two reasons um i brought up the steichen you know justin herbert example a little bit earlier about how you know much he was kind of blown away by herbert in a, a chalkboard type setting you know i'll remember joel erickson asking chris Bauer about the s2 test back at the combine and again, I could be reading way too much into this the night before the draft, but you know, welcome to April 26th when you have the fourth overall pick. But Ballard clammed up like pretty quickly when Erickson asked him that question, and that's unballard like in those settings. And I got the indicator walking away thinking, oh, that's a metric the Colts hold in high regard. That was my impression of it. Um, obviously, I didn't know that you know two months later it would be such a big, big topic the night before the draft. So if that's the case, then, again, they they do hold that, I guess, in high regard. Now, the questions I would have is, and I know the S2 creator have kind of gone on, you know, I think it went on McAfee's show and has gone on a few other shows to talk about it. There are, you know, six or seven different sections to the test. So maybe a guy excels in other sections. Maybe that is more indicative of him as a quarterback. I mean, if you want to go back in history, I don't think Dan Marino tested very well on the Wonderlick. I don't think Jalen Hurts tested super well. And obviously those two guys in very different eras played quarterback at a really, really high level. And, and of course, in Hurts' case, is playing it. So um, I tend to think that the Colts pay attention to that because they're very, very metric-based. But I also think they would make sure they provide a lot of context or would seek out a lot of context with that to make sure that's the case with, with Stroud. All right, uh, Kevin Bowen's with us. Uh, I'm going to get away, and I, I'm not sure that you want to talk about this. You're prepared to talk about this, um, but I just kind of want your opinion, and I'm glad that uh, you probably haven't been mentioning it. It occurred to me in, in watching the way the Clippers went out last night and thinking about Paul George, who didn't play because he was injured, and I'm noting that Paul George has been you know spectacular as an individual performer when healthy for them. But when you look back on his travels, you know, wanting out of here, leaving here, going to OKC, ultimately ending up in L.A. with the Clippers, do you think success-wise with team success, he could look back and wonder, and I mean wonder confidently here, that he could have been better team-wise and still had his individual production had he chosen to want to stay here? Um, I guess I'm not 1,000% following. So George thinks if he would have stayed here, he would You think he would have had more team success with the Pacers here than he has had with the Thunder and the Clippers combined? I think he's got one Western Conference final 
I believe he was a part of with the Clippers. But most of the time, you look back and, you know, he's been disappointing in big moments. His team's been disappointing in big moments and certainly not lived up to the expectation. So do you think that he could have – and I realize, too, I mean, his final days here were nothing to write home about. I I do realize that uh, game-wise. And and some of the similar issues that you saw when he was playing with the Clippers as well or the Thunder when he kind of declined at big moments. But it just got me thinking – you know, last night with him not playing and the Clippers going out in round number one, had he chosen to stay here and be a part of this for the long term, if he would, certainly the Pacers, I think, would have been better, but he would have been better, maybe more accomplished in a team setting, and those individual numbers would have also been here as well. Can you make that argument, or is that false? Yeah. I, you know, obviously the Pacers haven't had really any team success None. since he's left I mean, here. Very little, um, yes. Yeah, I mean, you haven't won a series if I'm not mistaken, um, since he's left. And obviously you're very competitive with uh, with Cleveland, but that's it. I think that's the only time you've even won a, a, a playoff game um, since that Raptors series. Yeah. So, um, again, as much as I would like to think Paul, obviously, individually, um, with healthy, is a great, great player. You know, maybe he could have attracted someone to play here. Uh, well, he said but, he could have, right? I mean, he said that was part of his anti-Kevin Pritchard argument is that he could. Yeah. I think it was Anthony Davis was the guy that he talked about. Yeah, gosh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I, I kind of believe – I would have to see that. Yeah, totally you know, believe, well, but, yeah, um, and a lot of this. I mean, th- this is beyond speculation, and it's really nothing that you're probably going to think about logically sitting around hanging out with Rosie on a day like today. But it just <laughs> occurred to me – it occurred to me last night because so many – have decided to make you know the Clippers and and George and even to a degree Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, be such underachievers in all this and and really outside of maybe team wise, you know, one particular season, it's kind of been that way for him. And even with the lack of success this team had post Paul George, you, you still kind of wonder had he been you know locked in to being here for the longer term if that could have been different for both. Yeah, I mean, I think if Paul George would have spent the last seven years here, however long he's been gone, I I would like to think they would have won a series or at least won a playoff game. I think we're going on like five seasons since they won a playoff game. Well, I mean, they they had success with him while he was here. I mean, you know, early stages of Paul George, they had Eastern Conference final success that we saw, and, and really that was the last major success this organization has had. Right, and I guess that core, I, I, I guess kind of to, to bring that up, I mean, that core just didn't really stay together, you know, post, yeah. or, or I, I guess have a lot of staying power. You know, whether you talk about Lance or whether you talk about, you know, David West, certainly from an age standpoint, obviously Hibbert did not become the player or, or stay at the level that you thought. And I'm trying to think back to that Raptors series. I, I remember Paul being incredible in that seven-game series, um, no, no, we were complaining Raptors. about Frank Vogel's rotations, remember? Yeah, because Frank Vogel I, I would like go with those rotations and he would play bench guys and leave George on the bench. I think George even had a problem with that while he was here. Yeah, and that was like uh, like Solomon Hill was their second best player in that series. And yeah, they cashed right, in right, on it. I mean, that right. was I mean, that was a team that you had I mean, Monte Ellis on one knee, you know, probably as your second best score, which is frightening to say out loud, but that's kind of where you were at. So I think what would have had to have changed would have been, and, and, and I don't necessarily believe Paul's words. I, I think he could have attracted somebody. I don't think Anthony Davis level. I think you could have gotten somebody here. 
Um, unfortunately, I mean, that kind of started, you know, the the era of some really poor draft picks. And certainly the NBA is difficult to draft, especially in that area. But you had several just big swings and misses. So it's not like you got some sort of young compliment to him or, or, or would have gotten somebody um, during that stretch. But you would have had to have gone out and get somebody because, you know, a, a, a final core of whatever that was, George Hill, Monte Ellis, I guess Miles would have been – Miles Turner, C.J. Miles would have been on that team. I guess Miles would have been really young, so Miles would have been part of that moving forward, and that would have been a, a – well, And that was that. When they got eliminated by Cleveland, like in the first round of his final season here, right? In in straight oh, yeah, sets, that was, and that was yeah. that's when he you know, C.J. Miles took a wide open shot, and he wanted you know Paul was mad because he wanted to fade from the hash mark off the glass, and you know that was the Gatorade commercial that you know ball game, and then you know he had a, a jumper that missed I think everything when the going it was just a, a lot of stuff you know from that to playoff P to pandemic P a lot of stuff that just didn't and hasn't really meshed for him, and you just kind of wonder if had he stayed and. You know, been locked in with this organization if they could have helped one another uh, moving forward more than, than at least team-wise, organizationally speaking, the type of success he's had since then. So, just a yeah, thought. Yeah, I, I guess my overriding thought with it is he would have had to have attracted some other, like, right. youngish piece. Because outside of Miles, you had no well, one else, like, young. I mean, Monte, that, That's what they're Monte counting on right now with, with Halliburton. Team. Yeah, that's what they're counting on right now to degree with Halliburton is, you know, that's that's part of the argument we make about what we think about this team moving forward is the, the attraction he brings that hasn't been there. And with a growing Paul George back then putting up numbers, you know, could he have been a similar attraction? I mean, this is all probably for a different day, but it just occurred to me early and I thought I would ask you completely out of nowhere, sideswipe you with that question. My bad. <laughs> I can't wait for tonight, though, John. I, I was saying earlier today, I mean, this I'm is one right of the better it. nights you're you're going to find in in round one, especially with tomorrow night only one game, and obviously the draft. But I mean, all four of these games, I can talk myself in. It, it has like I a love 16 it. feel from last I month of it. like okay, seven o'clock tip, seven thirty, nine thirty, and ten. So I can't wait. Now, every time I hear that, oh, the NBA sucks, I just think, man, you suck. Seriously, you suck. And I'm not promoting yeah. it because yeah. I'm a sports talk show host. I'm promoting it because I love basketball. Watching these guys this big be this athletic and this good at basketball yeah. it just continues. You know, even with you know some of the jackassery that goes along with it, I, mean, I can put up with it because it's, it's fun as hell to watch. All right, ask Jake that question, and Jake will give you an hour of content tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> – no need for mayo and coffee. You can, you can go out for donuts. That one, Adam. Yeah, just uh-huh. ask him that. Yeah. All right, man. I might say that for like July 10th. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's better. That Probably not on draft day morning. <laughs> Probably not. I appreciate you, brother. All right, see you, John. It's a Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It just occurred to me sometimes things do. Quick break. We'll come back. Your calls. And Joe DeLeon, Believe Network podcaster. We're going to get into that and some more of this NFL content with him next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 
Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg, Greg Straw, Zach Kiefer, Kevin Bowen, Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Rick Venturi. Earlier this week, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, earlier this week as well. Of course, the draft is coming up tomorrow night. And a reminder, Buffalo Wild Wings locations uh, here in and around Indy will have Colts special guests and your chance to win stuff. And, of course, you're going to have Matt Taylor, Joe Wrights, and Rick Venturi staked out over at the Colts Complex for full round number one draft coverage following me. That is coming up tomorrow night. Meantime, latest from Adam Schefter, while Houston hasn't received much trade action so far for the number two overall selection, the Texans have explored the idea of moving off their second, check that, second first round pick at number 12. Per sources, Texans have made calls about moving back in round one and also moving back up. With that in mind, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, the Believe Network podcast, we've had many a guest on from that. They're always outstanding. The host of the first team podcast on Stadium as well. Joe DeLeon, college football NFL draft analyst on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Joe, thank you for the time. How you doing? Good, good. I'm excited. It kind of feels like it's the day before a game. I, I just can't wait for things to kick off tomorrow, but so much is going to happen tomorrow. I can't wait to see what ends up happening. It's funny about that, too. I've mentioned this all along. When In terms of free agency and the draft, I think fans in general now are about as excited to talk about off-season stuff in the NFL than they are about talking about what goes on week-to-week in games, in and out of games. I think we're at that point right now. You agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think for bad football teams, too, it gets to that spot where you know your team's out of it. If you're a team like the Texans or the Bears, you're just waiting to see by, by week 13. It's like, okay, let's let's start looking at these prospects. And you kind of start to see that uptick in viewership and listenership on, on draft shows. But you know, I think the excitement's starting to really build, and it's going to come to come to fruition on Thursday. I brought you in with that tweet from Adam Schefter regarding Houston. That was with their uh, second first-round selection. Are you buying that they're going to pass on a quarterback with number two overall tomorrow night? Absolutely. I, I really don't think that they're going to take a quarterback at all in the first round. I, I got a lot of indirect indications throughout this process that they weren't in love with any particular guy in the class. There were different issues that they had with all four of the top guys. And I think with that in mind, if you're not in love with anyone, you don't need to make that move. You can wait until next year. D'Amico Ryan signed a long deal with the Houston Texans, and it puts them in a position to take someone in 2024 and then bolster the rest of this young roster, add defensive talent wherever they can. And I think that they can likely take a defensive end at number two and then maybe come back around with an offensive lineman or one of these top corners with that pick at 12. Again, Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcasting Network with us day before the draft via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The first team podcast on stadium college football and NFL draft analysts. So, depending upon if they do what you suggest they're going to do at number two, what's the effect? Number three, what, what does Arizona do? And then how does that ultimately affect what the Colts do at number four in your estimation? Yeah, I think once there's not a quarterback taken at two by the Texans, it's going to incentivize some of these teams that are picking outside of the top 10 or the back end of the top 10. Uh, Like the Tennessee Titans, I think, is the most likely candidate to maybe move up. 
I'd also watch the Houston or not the Houston Texans, the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings as a potential team to maybe move up as well. But that third pick is prime real estate. And I think the Cardinals, if they're smart with a bad team and needing a lot of different spots to be filled on this roster, they should move back. And I really do think someone's going to move up. And I, I frankly would not be surprised if Will Levis isn't the second quarterback taken off the board. I have him ranked as my fourth-ranked quarterback, but the NFL is, is a lot higher on him. He checks every single box, big, strong kid, big arm, quality athlete, tough. Apparently he's a very high-character leader as well. So with all that being checked off, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to be the second one taken and potentially at that three spot. Well, I've said this for a while now, and and, and nothing has you know, changed my my mind on it, although the Colts have been under lock and key, and that's a good thing. So nothing's been coming out of there. But I you know, I, I was you know, told back during the season that they had, had specific interests during the season in Will Levis while he was at Kentucky. Um, I don't find too much reason to come off of that. Do you think, A, Levis goes to number four, and do you think, B, if he does, the Colts, even if Stroud's available, would decide to go that direction? Yeah, I think that the decision, frankly, is going to be between Will Levis or actually Anthony Richardson. And to your point earlier, it's one of the few picks where they have been lock and key. They haven't given up anything. They haven't put anything out there. But if we're trying to make a – an educated guess in a way, I really liked the thought of Anthony Richardson being that pick for the reason that Shane Steichen, what he had last year in Jalen Hurts as his quarterback when he was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. They ran a lot of read option. They ran a lot of QB-designed runs with a big, strong guy in Jalen Hurts. And I think that Anthony Richardson is an exciting option for him because he's bigger and stronger than Jalen Hurts and he's got a big arm as well and if you can tap into that you can refine some of those issues you could have a very explosive offense with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor next to him but Will Levis is still a fantastic option if that's the route that they do want to go in if he's still on the board Um, maybe not as athletic as Will Levis but still certainly a big strong kid who who can run the football if they choose to go that direction. Joe presumably Panthers go young Texans go best defensive player, let's just say Will Anderson at number two, which leaves the Cardinals there at number three. I'm assuming open to the highest bidder. Logically to you, who may be the team to jump up there and again, presumably to jump up there to get a quarterback, and who do you think that would be? I still think the one that makes the most sense is the Tennessee Titans, considering the amount of capital for the Minnesota Vikings to move up that high, or the Washington Commanders to move up that high is going to be a a very steep asking price. I think if either of those two teams do move up, it's going to be later on in the top 10 uh, when the price isn't as expensive. But the Titans, are, they're really in a tough position right now. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is a long-term answer. And Malik Willis, as we saw, was, was very uh, not a very good option for them. And I think that there's a sense that he's not going to be the long-term answer. He was a bit of a dart throw, and there's already a pretty clear answer that he might not be able to figure it out very quickly in a timeline that they're willing to wait for. I think that if they're going to move up to that three spot again, it would be to go and take Will Levis. He fits exactly with what Mike Rabel has preached in a way and, and put out there in his mentality of tough, hard-nosed, hard-nosed, gritty football players. So I think the Titans are probably the most likely to move up to that three spot. How about this, and maybe I'm just throwing this out there because of the – 
the geographical compatibility here. But what if you're the Titans and you wait at 11 because you like Hendon Hooker? Would Hendon Hooker be there? And would they have any interest in somebody that obviously you would see a great deal before that injury within your own state? Yeah, I actually think that's a possibility. It's a strong possibility that if they do sit there, and I think Hooker is going to be available in the middle to the end of the first round. I don't think he's going to go as early as some of these other guys, but I do really think that the Titans could talk themselves into it. My co-host Matt Sims pushed for it on, on our show and said that keep him in the state, keep him in Tennessee, and they're not going to regret it. And then my other co-host, Ryan Roberts, kind of gave some comparisons of Hendon Hooker to Ryan Tannehill. So you're going to be able to get a lot of those similar traits to being able to throw on the run, having good deep accuracy, being a good athlete. You're getting, in a way, a younger version of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, And he's, frankly, one of the more ready-to-play guys, in my opinion. Even though he played in an easy offense, he's still an older player who's more technically refined. He's seen a lot more than some of these other guys. So I do really like that thought. I think it's a possibility and one that's, frankly, been dismissed a lot. And it's one that hasn't been talked up enough. Well, I'm glad I provided that content for everybody out there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's more than just a geographical relationship right there regarding Hendon Hooker. I, I, I think that he gets unfairly, and I know he's you know 24, the age and, and the injury. I think somebody may take a chance on him and be pleasantly surprised when things are said and done. Age, uh, injury, whatever. Um, somebody's going to get lucky, I think, with that guy. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And I, I think his floor is the lowest, or sorry, is the highest compared to everybody else. He, he has a, a very steady understanding of, I think, what he can step in and do right away. Is he going to transcend the same way that Anthony Richardson or Will Levis could because their arms are huge and they're big, strong athletes? Probably not, but he feels like such a steady starter that can – maybe not start right away because he's still fully recovering from the knee injury, but eventually take over mid-season or at the end of the year and be a really good pro. He's just – he's got everything that you want, I agree with you. For some reason, it's just been so unfairly uh, knocked throughout this process. All right. Uh, again, Joe DeLeon joins us. First team, podcast, stadium, believe network podcaster, college football, NFL draft analyst on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Give me a player that is going to get some upward mobility in this draft that will surprise everybody and a player that will slide that will also equally surprise everybody tomorrow night. Who you got? Yeah, I think that the biggest potential surprise that could sneak in. I pay close attention to Cedric Tillman or Jonathan Mingo. There's not a lot of big receivers in this class. It's a lot of small, shifty guys, a lot of slot receivers, deep threats. So I think as teams want to pigeonhole a guy and and make a reach for a bigger body player like Jonathan Mingo or Cedric Tillman, I could see that type of a reach happening. If someone does slide, I think uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah, is one to pay attention to. Hasn't really done any testing, hasn't really been available for any of that stuff because of an injury he suffered at the end of the season. And frankly, he would have benefited from having those numbers. But I think there's just some question marks now where maybe Darnell Washington or Luke Musgrave or some of these other guys go ahead of him. Uh, just because of all of that, he, he might slide out of the first round. And he's been somebody who's been painted to either be tight end one or at the very bare minimum, tight end two in this class. 
who, again, I think could be a likely uh, slide-out candidate. One more thing before I let you go here, Joe, to the most intriguing player that's not being talked about off-the-radar style that you're watching right now. Yeah, the biggest one for me is Tucker Kraft, the tight end from South Dakota State. He is extremely talented. He missed some time due to injury. Um, he was on a national championship team and was a part of the uh, the playoff run that South Dakota State had, and he is such a tenacious, aggressive blocker. He is a, a great vertical threat, good route runner, good hands. He checks every box. He's just coming from the FCS level, and he, he even had some pretty massive, and I talked to him uh, during this process, that last summer he had offers from massive Power 5 programs to take money to go transfer to them, and he chose to stay stay at South Dakota State, so a testament to his character as well. He's going to be one of those guys, I think kind of like Mark Andrews, where in a couple of years we're going to be saying, how the heck did we let him go in the third, fourth round? He should have gone so much sooner. So Tucker Craft is definitely my pick for that. He is the former Rhode Island long snapper, host of the first team podcast on stadium at Believe Network. The college football and NFL draft analyst is Joe DeLeo. Now, how often does your podcast, is it on stadium? And I'm curious, sometimes I'll pump gas at Speedway and stadium will pop up on the video screen while you're pumping gas. Will I ever see yeah. you doing your thing while I'm pumping uh, gas? I, I don't know if we'll pop up on the uh, on the gas uh, the, the gas tank. I hope but, that you do because uh, I'll be proud if you do. <laughs> I, if I do, you got to let me know. But yes, we, uh, we air with a couple of the other Believe shows uh, throughout the weekend and and into the night on on Friday. Uh, my show, the Best to Believe show, which is uh, the Charity Stripe crew, and it's just kind of a wraparound clip show from all the content on the network, and then also Believe Me with Cam Rogers. So those three shows air on the weekend. And it's not just my show, the first team. If anyone wants to check out some of that good content, we've got some great stuff uh, that airs on Stadium. You got it, man. I, I'm just curious because I see that I see like Jeff Goodman's face up there and then Shams <laughs> up there. So I'll be a it'll be a proud moment if I'm pumping gas and I see you up there. I'm excited. Yeah, if you do see me, you got to let me know. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Appreciate it. Enjoy the draft tomorrow. Thanks, Joe. Have a good one. Uh, Joe DeLeon right there. Stadium, first team, podcast, Believe, Network. Former Rhode Island long snapper. Rhode Island always seems like, and I know it's Boston area. and eh. I like seafood, though. Rhode Island does not seem like a bad place. Seems like it's all right. Quick win, we'll come back. Somebody's going to get a chance to win some tickets. Thoroughgood and the Destroyers. Grand Prix tickets coming up as well. And hopefully I get to the two errands waiting on hold at 239-1070. Next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, go after these Thurgood tickets and these Grand Prix tickets, too. Go after them right now, 239-1070. That was my uh, son, Blake, sending me text right there. Could you tell, James? He just said, this is a quote from Blake. I weed whacked the entire property. <laughs> I weed whacked the entire property. It's a proud moment. 
Uh, Jan's going to get a winner. I'm going to take some calls. Get a couple of errands here. We're going to have to go quick, y'all. Thanks for the call at 239-1070. Aaron, go ahead. Hey, John. Hello, Long Aaron. Time. Go First quick time. for me, my my good man. Yeah, I won't take too much of your time. Uh, wanted to leave you with some insider information. Wonderful. That I received last night. Uh, get my hair cut. New barber told me a uh, Colts scout, QB scout, gets his hair cut there and said they are really high on Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson, according to your barber. I love it, man. We'll see you tomorrow. know what's funny? I'm not laughing about it because most of the information people get around here is from a barber or a gardener or an Uber driver. We've heard this before. I don't like I don't dis left. I don't dismiss it right here. So your barber says that it's Anthony Richardson. That's right. We'll Aaron. see you tomorrow night. Thank right? you for thank you for dropping that nugget on this show, man. I appreciate that, Aaron. We'll see. Hey, by, hey, who's your barber, by the way? Give your barber a shout. Thomas at Valor 3 and Fisher off of 116. You got that, brother. Thank you, Aaron. All right, we'll Thank see you. if Aaron's barber is accurate right there. Hold on a second. I just, uh, my bad. Hey, one more, Aaron. Go quickly for me, Aaron. I mean really quick. Hey, I just checked a little jackassery on your show today, and unfortunately it was one of your co-workers. What? If you want to back up a, a certain player because you identify with him, do so, but don't hide behind this here between the ears crap. What you're basically saying is Stroud don't have the intellect to pick up on uh, uh, Shane's uh, yep. offense. Now, in, in, don't in, hide in, behind yep. it. Track up. Hey, Aaron. You're you, you not even old enough to think like that, Kevin. Aaron, oh. who's your barber want to draft? How about your barber? What's he say? My barber. Brother does it himself. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. I got to run here. Tomorrow, we'll find out tomorrow night. We'll talk about it tomorrow, three. James, great job. You guys have been outstanding. Remember, Aaron's barber says Anthony Richardson.